0: Welcome to Dragon Talk!
1: Yeah. Woo! Yeah, yeah. One more time! Dragon Talk! Dragon Talk! Oh, to Oh, thank you, thank that you! Here you go, it. making it rain. <laughs> Dungeon Mayhem cards Woo!
0: everywhere for you. Dungeon Mayhem! Yay! This is the uh, official yeah. d d podcast. Did right. you know that, Shelly? Yes. I did too. Yes. Uh, we've been saying that for years. Right. Uh, I'm Greg Tito.
2: I'm Shelly Mazzanoble.
0: We are here to discuss things involving both dungeons.
2: And dragons.
0: All kinds of them. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, always great to, to be here and talk through some fun stuff. Agreed. So um, there are a lot of new things coming out. Do you know this? Yes. There is the Essentials Kit. Yes. It is out in Target stores in, in North America wild. right now. It's in the wild. People can play it. So they're opening it up. I've been seeing lots of uh, of reactions to it on the which interwebs. Are very positive. Very positive. Yeah,
2: people are loving it. Did somebody told the story about being at Target and seeing kids standing it by the doors, like the employees only back room doors, yeah. like, and they overheard them saying, like, they said they've got three more in the back. No way. And they were waiting for the essentials kit. Just
0: put it back on the shelf. Put it on the and the shelf. Got,
2: like the the staff, the the Target team member. And the red shirt came out with the essentials kits. Gave them each one, and then the person who was overhearing was like, "I'll take that other one." Sweet, (laughs) I'll take it.
0: That's great. I love how it's like uh, it's in demand. Yes, Uh, very exciting. There is a lot of cool about this essentials so, kit cool. um if so you need to go down to the target and and, and figure it out if you go want to get to it target. and play it um it has it's more player focused so it's it's everything that you need to uh make your first character is in the rule book it's a revised rule book there's an adventure in there uh, that's written by Mr. Chris Perkins um that is uh I, i've seen a lot of people experienced people talking about how much they love that it is uh, I guess a sandbox like the, but it's like a well-written sandbox where you can do anything you want to do and, cool. and there's um, an overarching uh, bad guy with a dragon. Oh. As, as The dragon of Icefire Peak because that's the name of the thing. Oh. Um, there's also sidekicks as well yeah. as tons of cards di- blood red dice uh, a map
2: DM screen bunch
0: of maps a DM screen um,
2: There's like those condition cards and stuff.
0: Yeah, the, all the cards are really interesting. I like the cards. It's the a, cards it's are a good nice idea. way to figure out how to do the D and D combat mechanics. Yeah, by having those yeah. initiative cards, yep. all types of things that just kind of help ease you into all the concepts behind playing D and D. Plus, there are rules in there for a, a single dungeon master playing with a single player. That
2: is something somebody pointed out. Like, oh, this actually says for two to two plus players or whatever. Yeah, and. Like oh yeah, it is. It's it's two players
0: because I've been hearing about people you know uh, uh, doing that for years, and yeah. now um, there's rules in place to make that happen. Yeah. So that's cool. That's very cool. I like it.
2: Would you say that it's it's beginner friendly?
0: Yeah, I mean that's like, part of the whole of plot. Right. You know, like, whole you idea. like
2: you don't have like this is like equivalent to the starter in like how you would because I I asked because I gave an essentials kit to some beginning D and D kids. Just a couple hours
0: ago. Uh, yeah, just, what, just so, a few hours ago? Let's see out. what happens. Uh, I hope yeah. I
2: didn't... I, it seems like...
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I said, Yeah. it's, it's, so it's everything right. you need to play in one box. Yep. Uh, I, I personally think that the Essentials Kit is, uh, again, a little bit more like player-focused, yeah. where the dun- the starter set could be interpreted to be a little bit more for uh, new first-time Dungeon Masters yeah. uh, and getting into it that way. Although, um, it was... I mean, the starter set was designed for when fifth edition came out uh, in 2014, so it was also a way to get players used to the new edition. Yeah, and also, so um, that's less of what Essentials Kit is all about. It's about onboarding new people and getting them on, on board. But you could, you know, you could go starter set Essentials Kit, you know, then right. get a PHB. Uh, but you and could a also a PhD and a PhD in your PHB. Yep, nice.
2: And the D and the D.
0: And the D and the D. So we are going to talk to uh, some interesting folks for our interview this episode. We're going to talk to Rand Fishkin, uh, who is the founder of SparkToro uh, in uh, here in the Seattle area, and Ian Laurie, uh, who is also a CEO and founder of his own company called Portent. Uh, they're both Seattle area business leaders, I guess you could say, and uh, play D and D, or at least. Um, uh, have, been, have been tweeting about it and talking about it a bunch and I think they've even played together yeah. so we will, uh, you know, we don't often get that perspective of people who uh, are, at, you know, leading companies also being interested in what D&D is doing. We kind of go from the bottom up so I'm, I'm really kind of fascinated to hear from them their experience and uh, you know, hopefully get some marketing pointers.
2: Well, I, I, no, I'm not going to lie. Totally <laughs> That's gonna mostly what this, this is mostly good for, <laughs> our, for our purposes. Well, Rand has, uh, he has talked about publicly how he thinks that D&D would make a very fascinating market case study.
0: Right. Don't you think it would? I think it would. I think so, yeah. too. I think it all has to do, so, well, you know, since since I've been here. I right. Mean, you've been here for I mean, 95 years. I
2: think, Right. <laughs> <laughs> As announced yesterday in our team meeting.
0: Yes, exactly. The lich
2: sure? is still here.
0: Do you know, guys, know that Shelly Matsonobel has been an employee of Wizards of the Coast for 20 years? 20 years. Woo! Give it up. Yeah! You look really unhappy with this. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> it feels weird.
2: Like, I don't feel old enough to have been somewhere for 20 years. Well, you were hired when you were six, I was a child. No, was, no labor law It
0: was right after uh, you gave birth to Kesha. Right, exactly. I
2: ne- I'm like, oh man, I need a job with health insurance now. I got a kid.
0: <laughs> right, the whole interning thing didn't work out. Can't do it anymore. Yeah.
2: Sorry, I can't go to clubs all night. <laughs> I gotta like have a day
0: job. You're like, I have boys blown up my phones, phones.
2: <laughs> right, pedicure on my toes, toes.
0: <laughs> she stole those anymore. lines from you. I couldn't believe it. Oh,
2: I, I grew up singing that to her. <laughs> I mean. She grew up with this right. Well, but, me too, because I was six when I had her. And <laughs> <so. laughs> the story just keeps getting weirder and more weirder. More
0: and more convoluted. Uh, but that's amazing. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's all been in, uh, growing and getting better. I want to see this case study that goes from when you started and Right, and, and then how, now. like, things
2: really peaked when you started.
0: It's, well, exactly. Because you
2: can, I think they can pinpoint the exact moment of, of D&D just going gangbuster.
0: It was when Pelham got here, I right. think, actually, yes. more, more than anything else. Yeah. Also, it's when when we started recording this podcast.
2: Also. I think Dragon Talk has a lot to do with it. I think it
0: does, actually. Yeah. And you at home. Thank you. Thank you. For all of you spreading the good uh, goodness of role-playing games Like dandelion
2: seeds. Like dandelion seeds. We're going to set you loose now. (laughs) (laughs) Was that gentle?
0: There you go, Rand. (laughs) There you go, Caitlin. (laughs) Go out into the world.
2: Go find more G&D players. (laughs)
0: Plant the seeds <laughs> of imagination in your hearts.
2: In your heart. In your heart. I want to hear you narrate
0: a book. In, in a British accent mm-hmm. that's very terrible. In your heart. In your heart. Yes. Um, we have a lot of books that we uh, make here at the Dungeons & Dragons, so maybe we should just be reading those aloud yep. for all of our should. podcast content going yep. forward. Yep. All right. I'll make it so. I think what I want to do is, uh, when my voice is out from doing D and D live, then I want to record. Oh yeah, uh, me talking. And
2: you got the devil's mustard <laughs> coming out of your eye holes. Heck <laughs> We're gonna hear a story about demons as read by an actual demon. an actual demon.
0: <laughs> Here you go. Oh man! Uh, speaking of actual demons and devils. Baldur's Gate, Descent yeah. into Avernus is coming September 17th. It is a very interesting D&D adventure.
2: <laughs> it's very interesting.
0: Interesting is the word. Um, you can, uh, oh, and here's a, here's a line. Uh, forge your fate in hellfire. Ooh, that's a good one.
2: Yes. I,
0: I like that. Who wrote that copy? I think, that was, I think that was a Pelham Green special right there. Was that? I don't know. It could be. Um, good one, Pelham. But it goes from levels 1 to 13. That's
2: big. Oh, lucky number 13.
0: Exactly. Um, takes you from what's going on in Baldur's Gate. So there's like a chapter uh, uh, about the city and, and the current goings on. Probably
2: not good. good. From what ain't I know good. about yeah. Baldur's Gate. It,
0: there's a lot of betrayal that happens there.
2: Yes, there is some. Yeah. If you would like to see some of that, you can watch... Pelham's hot mess.
0: <laughs> and or buy a Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Or they play and Betrayal play at
2: Baldur's Gate. Yeah. I and mean betray all your friends.
0: That's a good way, actually, to kind of orient yourself with the with the city. Mm-hmm. Is to play that game, right? Yeah, Yeah. sure. So do it. Um, and then, you know, through the course of the plot, you may end up in uh, Avernus, the first layer of hell. Uh, which gives also lots of information about that area of, of the awesome. plane of the nine hells. Probably not it may not be, but there's some Holly fans. There's uh, some cute oh. things. There's a Tressum.
2: Why would a Holly? There's some abyssal you call chickens. A holly fans. Holly fan. Holly fan. It's Lulu.
0: Yeah, Lulu the um, Holly fan. Why is would a flying ho- a pink elephant?
2: But why creature. would a flying pink elephant live there?
0: Well, you're gonna have to listen to a future Lori should know segment. All right, uh, you're gonna I talk about that. I, it's on the list. Uh, we're gonna talk about them and the Tressums, which are uh, cat-like uh devil creatures.
2: I believe they would live there. Yes. All cats. You believe? I think have come from there.
0: (laughs) So all dogs go to heaven and all cats are from hell?
2: Yes. Yes. Something like that.
0: I like that. I think that's true. Yeah. That's why we love them so. Yeah.
2: That makes sense.
0: Uh so that I said is coming out September 17th. There's two covers, one cover by the inimitable Tyler Jacobson. Uh, I love the front cover. It's been plastered everywhere. It's amazing. Um, Also, an alternate cover will be created. Well, it's already created, but it will be available only in game stores. uh, And that covers by Hydro 74, who has done many of the alternate covers for us. So that's going to be exciting. Um, You all, if you're fans of Hydro 74 and his alt covers, you should pay attention to what we're doing at San Diego Comic-Con uh, I don't want to de- give too many details away, uh, but you're going to find out. Uh, there's going to be- We're going to be streaming live uh, from from San Diego Comic-Con at the Bait Store. Uh, we'll give more details on that as we get closer, but that's going to be in July. It's going to be very soon. Very you're soon. You're going to be able to check it out. Yep. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is a game that we also announced with our partners at Larian Studios, the makers of Divinity Original Sin. I was at E3 talking all about that uh, a couple weeks ago. I can't believe that was... Only a couple weeks ago, but know, it, it is—it's time is moving fast. People are super excited about that game, and I am excited about that game. Yes, it is going to be super fun. Uh, I enjoy all of the uh, writers and creators working on it, including uh, Adam Lee, who did a lot of work for uh, Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus. He's been uh, working with that team as well as uh, all of our kind of world-building folks uh, have been feeding them stories for for years now. Uh, So it's exciting to talk about it, uh, at least a little bit now. We'll be giving more details about that as it gets closer to um, uh, to release.
2: Adam Lee also helped with the Dungeon Mayhem Battle for Baldur's Gate expansion.
0: Yeah. We are Baldur's Gate heavy. Yes, we are. We are opening we the are, gates. We are in. The floodgates of Baldur. The, <laughs> the Baldur floodgates. The Baldur flood They're has open, begun.
2: And Dungeon Mayhem cards are flying everywhere.
0: <laughs> yep. As well as Devil's Mustard. Oh. <laughs> flying everywhere. God.
2: <laughs> I'm never going to unhear it. Never gonna unsee
0: it. It's gross. I have a picture actually of what it looked like. I don't. I'll show it to you later. No. Uh, we'll show it on the on the Nashville tour. <laughs> uh, what else do we want to talk about? So there's a couple things that are out right now that you can pick up that are amazing, like Acquisitions Incorporated. Yep. yep. The D and D source book. Amazing stuff in there. I love the artwork uh, that w- is throughout that book, as well as uh, the adventure. It takes you through six levels of funness in the actress Incorporated world of the Forgotten Realms, which yep. is kind of like a corporate overlord st- satirical look at corporate structure and uh, greed, <laughs> which is what the Act Inc is all about uh, with uh, characters that you know and love from Paxs yes. performed for the last ten years. All Such as Omendron, Jim Dark uh Morgaine, Viari. All of them are in Acquisitions Incorporated as NPCs that you can use and play in your game. There's also rules in there for starting up your own franchise of Acquisitions Incorporated as well as positions that your party can take in that organization. It's chock full. It's amazing. Uh, a lot of wonderful people worked on it. Interesting uh, take. It's flying off shelves as, as we currently speak. Awesome. Ghost of Saltmarsh yes, is sinking into the deep, deep sea. Flying off shelves? No, it's sinking. It's sinking it's, it's, off it, shelves. It's torpedoing into the the, the different the depths puns of the ocean. of your imagination ocean.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes,
0: all of those things. Yes. What do you know about Ghost of Salt Marsh?
2: I know that I played in um at one in through one of the adventures. You did. I can't remember
0: the name of it. Salvage operation.
2: Yep, that's the one. There were spiders everywhere. There were a lot. Spoiler of spiders. alert. Eh. Yeah,
0: really watch out. Fun. Some for some loth blessed bastards yep. coming at you. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Felt her presence
0: all over. What is that term? Where is it? Loth touched when you uh, like the feeling of when you walk through a spider web. <gasps> Uh, it's, it's, that's what it is to me. Loth like, touch. Yeah, you're like, oh, God, ah, it's in my hair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hate that. I feel that. like
2: I'm having it right now. <laughs> talking about it. Oh, God. Hello.
0: By the way, there's a spider crawling on your head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. No problem.
2: M- Marvin.
0: Marvin. Yeah. His, all of his jeans are, have their cuffs rolled up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to get him ready in the morning? It's
0: Eight. <laughs> Hops. cuffs
2: like, hang on those tiny little cups. <laughs> so like I give me your buddy fast, right. <laughs> and then I finally get to like the seventh leg and then like the second and third legs came uncuffed and I just started
0: all over you're like come on buddy you, can, you can do this on your own
2: I feel like some of those legs should be arms and you could just <laughs> do it yourself
0: if only you were an artist you could draw it that way Yes,
2: somebody needs to be drawing that soon we don't have any fan art
0: of you and me mm-hmm. I guess that's true
2: I mean, by us count- saying that
0: right now, did we just conjure it into existence?
2: You can count maybe Nathan's awesome photoshopping of us. <laughs> yeah, that's as right. man art. Yeah, that counts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so, I mean, I think now that you've said that, now we're just going to have to endure Somebody
2: could be doing endure, like, it. the devil's mustard.
0: Oh, God, maybe picture of you that with- sounds like a Dungeon and Doodles uh, segment there where oh, uh, yeah. they can draw all the things that we prompt them to say. Ooh, maybe we'll, we'll be guest prompters.
2: That would be fun. Then, let's do it. Okay. All
0: right, we'll talk to Bart. Okay. Yeah. Who's been here 15 years.
2: <laughs> right. He didn't even know that. He was like, oh, really? He
0: was just like, whoa, how oh, did that happen? man. Like, yeah.
2: talk, to, talk to you in 20.
0: Combined, the two Time of flies. you have more history with this company than the company has been in existence. Right. That's crazy to think about.
2: My wizard's career can almost legally drink.
0: <laughs> <laughs> almost.
2: Almost. One day. She has a fake idea.
0: <laughs> she's, she's going carbon with Kesha.
2: <laughs> I was so young when I started here. You were a babe. Oh, the Bebe. Yeah, like I remember on my first day, before six. my first day, I was when I was six. <laughs> I really like I took myself shopping because I wanted like I wanted some like new work clothes. I wanted to look cool, but I had like, no money. Yeah, so I think I went to like the Gap Outlet or something. <laughs> I remember my exact outfit that I was wearing.
0: Gap wasn't in existence back then. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they didn't have outlets in 1999.
2: Uh, it was pre-outlet. <laughs>
0: So maybe it was the actual store. It was the actual store. But
2: then I must have um went to the sales. Section. Man,
0: now I want to go back in time and talk to Oh. I actually Shelly.
2: found my first um my first Wizards badge. Really? Yes, I have to bring that in cuz oh I'm very round fresh face and I had a really bad bowl haircut.
0: Whoa. I feel like um we could we could auction that off for Extra Life or something like
2: that. It's all like chipped and beat up.
0: Yeah. And did you know well that, used.
2: that Liz shoe was the one who hired me?
0: I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. Did she, did she interview her? She her interviewed interview? me, yeah. Nice. Was it like this interview right now?
2: There was like five people in the interview.
0: And there were microphones?
2: Just like this. She's like, put on these headphones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get your cans on.
2: <laughs> put your cans on. <laughs>
0: That's what we say in the biz.
2: Tighten those jeans. <laughs>
0: All right, so I think we should now kick it to some lore you should know. Yes. Do you think it's a time? I do. Let's do some bings and also some bongs. We're going to clap it out. Let's do it. Yeah, lore. Lore
1: you should know.
0: Welcome to another Lore You Should Know segment. That is the bit where me, Greg Tito, speaks to Chris Perkins. Hello. About little bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore that you can use in your game or just mm-hmm. for fun in your brain to know it. Uh, today, we are going to talk about the Upper Planes and the Exalted Host. Basically everything involving celestials and what mm-hmm. that means in the D&D multiverse.
3: Right, Yes.
0: Uh, and, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, devils and demons and their blood war and all the yeah. nastiness that's going on in the lower planes.
3: They get all the press. Everybody they wants the- to hear the bad story. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <'cause laughs> Not the, ba- the feel-good story.
0: They're the bad guys. Right. Which, you know, no. that's, that's what people want to, to know about in Dungeons & Dragons. But, but uh, it
3: turns out there's a whole other half to the multiverse. Exactly. The good guys. The top half.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> like the centaur, the top half right. the very important part uh, so yeah, I, I actually know very little about what the, the current thinking of what's happening in the D&D celestial nature so what's, mm. where, where were those first mentioned they were in the
3: originals, right? oh yes, so we, if we hop in the wayback machine to first edition uh, the cosmology that we have today was created way back then. Mm-hmm. And the upper planes represent the planes of goodness, law, chaos, and neutral varieties of goodness, but goodness nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And they had, some of them had different names back then and have changed and evolved over the years, but the number of planes and essentially what they're all about hasn't changed much. And actually, the creatures that live there haven't changed a ton either. Oh, okay. We sort of added to them over the years to kind of fill out the ranks a bit. But if you go all the way back to the first edition books, you will see definitions in the Manual of the Planes and in the Player's Handbook about what the Upper Planes are and what they're like to live there, as well as a number of creatures that dwell there.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Predominantly, angels and archons, which we'll talk about, and a host of other beautiful creatures like holly fence and moon dogs. And and an exalted, an exalted host of exactly guys. an exalted host, as it were.
0: Yeah, uh, so, how were they? Just out of curiosity, how were they used in early D anD D adventures?
3: Barely at all.
0: Okay, so it was yeah, maybe just plot, if
3: anything. Well, I think part of the reason is it is very rare for adventurers to go to the upper planes to get into trouble. Right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to mess them up.
3: <laughs> right, and there's not really much trouble happening there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be the heavenly realms that they are.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So, if we could just do sort of a quick run through of what the planes are to refresh. By the way, you'll find a lot of this information updated in the fifth edition Dungeon Master's Guide, where we talk about the cosmology in detail and describe each of the planes I'm about to mention. Right. There is the what I call the cut and dry upper planes, the um, the planes that are very specifically tailored to a certain alignment. Mm. And they include the seven heavens of Mount Celestia, which is our lawful good plane. If you're a lawful good character, that's where your soul is probably going to go when you die. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this idea of good tempered with absolute law, and the creatures who live there are called. Uh, well, the 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 primary force of good there are the Archons, and they trace their origins all the way back to First Edition. And what they are are servants, and living embodiments of law and good married together. Okay. So they're very strictly, very strict in terms of their enforcement of law and good. And um, as we'll discuss later, the celestial heptamad is what these archons um, gravitate up toward.
0: You said seven heavens. So are, are there? Is it similar to the mm-hmm. nine layers of hell? And yes, exactly.
3: So all of the upper planes have a certain number of layers built into them and it just so happens that mount celestia has seven seven yes magical
0: lucky number of seven
3: exactly and that's been true going all the way back to the beginning and they all have names and they all have different flavors like this is sort of the the blinding um mountain peak you Mm -hmm. know the summit and then there's the layers underneath that they sort of go up the mountain got it and we're talking like the world the, the the multiverse's biggest mountain Right. Just goes on. It doesn't forever, get any never. bigger than Mount Celestia. Yeah. It's 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 big beyond compare and beyond description in a sense.
0: Yeah. And um, I like the, I like the mountain because it's the opposite of the, of the, the upside down layer cake that
3: I right. Right. Yeah, is that Exactly. Right? Uh so that, that is your plane of of lawful goodness. And we'll come back, we'll circle back around and talk about the archons again momentarily. Um, another of the cut and dry planes is the ultimate plane of neutral goodness, mm-hmm. which is the plane of elysium. And it is the plane of pure joy mixed with compassion. Neutral good is sort of kind of like the epitome of good, not defined by having to adhere to laws or being uh, like sort of a goodly anarchist. You are, you're just good because you're a compassionate and a joyful person. And all the creatures that live on Elysium basically are cut from that cloth. And Elysium has four layers and um, is also home to the counterpart to the river Styx. Oh, so there is, a, there is a there is a river that threads through the upper plains. It's not the river Styx. Hmm. It is the river Oceanus.
0: Oceanus. Yes. And That's it, a
3: confusing name. And it's a, yeah, no, no shit, right? <laughs> it's the Ocean yeah. Riviera. You're like, wait, yeah. what? Uh, but it threads, it, it sort of starts, weaves through Elysium and then cor- cascades down into other good-aligned plains as well. And it's exactly what you'd expect the upper plains river to be. It's, it's beautiful, it's burbling, it's serene, it's pristine, it's uncorrupted. uncorruptible.
0: Does it function the same way that the river sticks as a way to move between layers and planes? Yes,
3: absolutely. Got it. Yeah. Cool. So it does have that in common with its evil or dread counterpart. Now, the the primary denizens of Elysium, besides the spirits of neutral good folk who end up there, Mm -hmm. is a group of creatures that sort of came later, a little bit later than 1st edition, um, in 2nd edition, particularly developed in Planescape, and those are the gardenals. Gardenals? Gardenals. Okay. And gardenals are a class of creature uh, that are native to Elysium and they're basically animal-headed friendlies living the best life.
0: Oh. Like, uh, like almost like Egyptian gods type, type looking? Um,
3: they're a little bit more pastoral. Okay. So there's, the, um, there's, a, there's a horse-headed one mm-hmm. and there's a goat-headed one and there's a bear-headed one. And, and they all
0: have like different personalities of yes,
3: yes. Oh. Um, so the, like the the equinol cardinal is the is the horse headed one, and it has a certain style of personality to it and behavior. Um, but they're all sort of dedicated to this idea of protecting Elysium and just spreading joy and compassion.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
3: They're furries. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, let's not, let's yeah. not make mixed well, here. No, no, yeah, exactly. And uh, D&D's got a long history of animal-headed people, and these guys are like the epitome of good-aligned animal-headed people. So.
0: yeah, Well, you don't see a lot of uh, iconography around that in the, in the multiverse, mm-hmm. though. That's what's interesting. Yes, is that, correct. You know, it's something that Dungeon Masters yeah. could totally start using more correct. often.
3: Yeah. Um, and then the last of the sort of cut-and-dropper planes is the embodiment of pure chaotic goodness, which is arborea. Um, the Olympian Glades in first edition was called Olympus. Was it ever called the Happy Hunting Grounds? Or is that That's just a- another one. Oh, we'll okay. get to that one. Okay. So Arborea, aka Olympus in first edition, um, is all about um, big moods and emotion. So good people having you know emotional
0: very passion very
3: passion driven plane. Yeah. Uh, so. It is not surprisingly the home for uh, elves in the afterlife because elves are predominantly emotional, emotionally driven, um, transformative Mm. people. Yeah. Uh, Not bound by laws per se, but by their own moods. And uh, so the layers of which there are three, um, there's Arvindor, there's Asa, which the elven name for is Aqualor. And then there's the third plane, which is... I think, Pelion and the elf name for it is Mithardir. And so elves go there when they're in the afterlife, but it's also the home of the Greek pantheon still. And if you're a fan of the Flash Gordon movie, it's also the home of Prince Baron.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, because going back to the Greeks, they're, they're statted up in deities and demigods, yeah, and, and that's where a lot of yes. this was, was, was from
3: correct. as well. Yeah, but to... In later editions, I think to sort of create a sense that this is a broader place than just a dumping ground for Greek myth, mm-hmm. Olympus changed to Elysium. Got it. In terms of its name. Uh, so And then you've got the other four good line planes which sort of a mixed bag, a combination of alignments mixed together. Uh, and they have a little bit more conceptually going on, like the Happy Hunting Grounds. Okay. As they were called in first edition, what we call today, and what's been called, I think, since third edition, the Beastlands. Beastlands. lands. <laughs> yes. It's, it, is the, it is the primordial of all primordial forests, the great forest that spreads across uh, three different layers, and uh, it is the home of intelligent beasts. Oh. So I guess they call it the Happy Hunting Grounds because people go there to like hunt, but the creatures who live there aren't big on that. They're like, no way. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't Please. do that. Hey, Stop. Right, um, but it's like the, it's like an untamed wild. It is an untamed wild of awakened beasts. Interesting. So these are intelligent animals that can communicate, and in some cases have m- magical abilities uh, that they've been bestowed, be- that have been bestowed upon them by whatever gods share their domain. Cool. Uh, so then you've got Isgard, which in first edition was called Gladshame. Um, and well,
0: I'm glad they change that name. Uh. Yeah, no. <laughs> Isgard, but not Isgard. Asgard.
3: Correct. Asgard is the first layer of Isga- Isgard, so <laughs> don't get too confused. Um, so this Who is named cor- all these? This, of course, is entirely built on Norse myth. Yeah. Uh, the three layers of Isgard are Asgard, Muspelheim, and Nidavellir. Nidavellir. Which you would have known from the Thor movies. Yes. You know? yeah, the, but instead, The heart of the, a burning star. In this case, it's not the heart of a burning star, but kind of like an underworldly kind of dark place. But anyway... This is the plane of sort of chaos mixed with chaotic good mixed with chaotic neutral and great warriors go on to fight battles in the afterlife in Isgard if they just can't give up the sword. Mm. This is also the realm of giants and cyclopes and other creatures that, of course, just get slaughtered (laughs) mercilessly by these great warriors.
0: Um, Is is that canonically where giants in the uh, material plane come from?
3: Like a, uh, well, giants in the material plane are sort of born out of the primordials. Um, those are creatures of the elemental planes, so mm-hmm. elemental. But there are gods who are power, who are great powers among the giants who do have home homes or domains here.
0: Oh, I see. So that's like yes. their, their pantheon would, exactly. would, would, would exist. Here.
3: So a dead giant might go on into the afterlife and live in Nidavaler. Got it. Uh, Interesting. And so, and cyclopes, which are uh, chaotic neutral in D anD. D they also dwell in this realm quite happily. Mm. And um, I'm sure Ray Harryhausen dwells here too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other cool thing about Isgard is that it is the topmost point of uh, something in the myth- in the mythology of D&D we call Yggdrasil, the world tree. The world tree, right? Yes. So um, so it's at the top of that tree for those who don't know Yggdrasil is a is another way to get around in the plains. By climbing this mythic tree, you can basically go off on its branches and end up in different parts of the multiverse. Not you, just these, correct. these good planes, but anywhere, anywhere you could go to. yeah. Doors all over the place. Oh. But at the very tippy-top, you get to Isgard. Got it. Uh, and then uh, another plane uh, mentioning is the Twin Paradises of Bitopia, which uh, that's has been called that since the very beginning of the, of the game. Uh, Bitopia is neat in a way. Um, it is two planes that are turned inward toward each other so that when, you, when you're standing on the ground of one looking up, you can see the other one in the sky above you. Oh. Like you're inside a sandwich. Okay. And w- one of these layers is a sort of tamed layer, and the other one is an untamed layer. So it, it represents the dichotomy or duality of, of nature. Oh. And the people who generally hang out in Bitopia are those who enjoy... The simple pleasure of work and achievement for its own sake. And um, so that, not surprisingly, includes gnomes Mm -hmm. and halflings. I was just going to say that those people seem to fit there pretty well. Yeah. So Bitopia is just swarming with them. And then that's where
0: their spirits go to? Yes. Would go to those those more often than not?
3: Yes, uh, and so, yeah, work is its own reward in Bitopia, And mm-hmm. people are really happy just to keep busy with little industry.
0: Do they travel back and forth between the two planes often?
3: They can. And since you can see the other one, it's not that hard to get to if you can fly. Right. Or if you build a really tall ladder. <laughs> <laughs> <For> <laughs>
0: Which the I'm sure
3: they've tried to do. Yeah, they're like, we can keep times. going. Keep yeah. going higher slash lower. this ladder? Don't ask.
0: Um, um, is there any kind of... Uh, uh, like doubleness, you know, twin. Like you know, sorry, it's called twinning. Is there? Is there like you know? Is your spirit on the bottom also the same that's on the top, or or is that? I don't think idea? it's quite
3: that weird, but I like the idea. Yeah,
0: we should do that. Okay, let's do that. Let's do let's new make lore. It, make an adventure happen. You have a
3: twin that you have to find in the other layer. And it's
0: untamed. twin. It's an untamed twin. Yes. Yeah, I like that.
3: It's just you with a bad haircut. Uh, <laughs> it's me with a beard again. <laughs> yeah, it's your beard. There we go. It's our mere universe plane it's, where yeah. you can see your bearded devil. Uh, unless you're a dwarf and then it's your unbearded you Your <laughs> unbearded dwarf. And
0: now we're getting in the weeds.
3: We are. And then the last plane I want to talk about which sort of rounds out all the upper planes is uh, in some ways the most dull but uh, you can, I'm sure somebody can do a lot with it is that's the plane of Arcadia. Mm. And um, it is it, it is the plane of... Law, be it good or neutral, um, the plane of perfect law and symmetry where there are no square pegs and round holes. There are only round pegs and round holes Mm. and everything is always in its perfect rightful place. Feng Shui, I guess, is not really an issue here. Right, it's very... Everything's pleasing to the eye, it all kind of makes Um, sense. And here, uh, one of the interesting things about Arcadia, one of the most fun things about it, is that the weather here is governed by four kings. Actually, two queens and two kings, but they're all called the Storm Kings. Oh. Because there's the Cloud King, the Lightning King, the Rain Queen, and the Wind Queen. And all four of them together basically... The weather. Okay. Um, do they decide in
0: an orderly fashion? Yeah, they do. I was just going to say, because part of me was like, oh, they should roll dice to see who gets, but like that's a very chaotic yeah. idea.
3: But like let's say let's say in an adventure, for instance, you needed to, you know, you wanted to build a flesh golem or something like that. One of the things you might have to do is go to Arcadia and steal some lightning from the Lightning King. Ah, that's, a, that's a good hook right there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah or you know the rain of the rain queen might wash away the diseases of a of a town so there's all kinds of things you can play with that kind of mythology. And I really like that. So bravo, Arcadia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's, that's
0: through a lot of these planes where you, know, you, you won't necessarily go there in order to right wrongs because right. the wrongs are, 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 are written. written. <laughs> 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 but, but you could go there for a reason to yes. interact with something to get a, a MacGuffin that might be needed for a yeah. quest down on the primate.
3: And I think play. that's the most fun and exciting thing because what, what it means is what you kind of know going in, you're kind of going into a role-playing scenario. Yeah, rather than one where you're going to be forced to kill something, right? Uh, so not to all tastes, but people who really dig that could really groove on on this kind of experience. Cool. And um, but then as the as the
0: the governance of these good planes, uh, you mentioned the heptamad.
3: Yes. Right. So um, let's talk a little bit about those guys and the celestials and the celestials. So. The celestial hebdomad. First of all, the word hebdomad is not something we invented. That exists in real world, a myth um, going back to Greeks. There was uh, this idea of seven martyrs mm. um, who basically kind of shaped the world, and that's what the celestial hebdomad is. Kind of, they're the they're the they are seven martyrs in D D who, in the founding of the universe, founding of the multiverse, created uh, the seven heavens of Mount Celestia through their martyrdom. Got it. Essentially. Right. And so they've been they they are the revered of the revered of the Archons. They go by other names as well. They're also known as the Tome Archons, T O M E. Not exactly sure why. They don't carry around books as far as I know. Right. Um Scrolls. Yeah. But uh they're also called the Paragons, and these seven Archons, the Supreme Beings, are basically um tasked with leading wars against the cosmic forces of evil. All right.
0: So they, they are diametrically opposed to devils, demons.
3: Exactly. Their leader, the mightiest of the seven, Zafkiel, is Asmodeus's counterpart on the good side. He has pretty much just as much power and can, and can throw together just as much force mm. uh, to bear against any army as anyone. And then he's got six others... Um, All of whom were, all seven of these uh, figures were first introduced formally in a a, um, third edition product called the Book of Exalted Deeds. Okay, I remember that book. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. I was one of the writers, so I'm somewhat familiar with it, (laughs) even though it was a billion years ago. (laughs) Uh, So they've got all all fantastic names, Barachiel and Domiel and Sophia and Raziel and um, Cialtiel and things like that, but... Uh, long story short, their job is to make war against evildoers in the cosmos, which sometimes begs the question, well, then why do we still have a blood war raging on, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Why aren't these guys interceding? And I think the difference here is that if there was no blood war and it was just demons spilling over the multiverse, threatening to consume all, then you can bet your your butt that uh, the celestial to madwood get off their asses and go and move and... Bring some stability to the multiverse.
0: I'm sure they would phrase it just like that too. We're like, we're
3: getting out of our asses. And we're gonna <laughs> bust our butts to
0: kick those devils back. To- right,
3: but until then, we'll just sit back and wait to see what happens. Yeah, we're in the happy hunting grounds. Um, but we're there's there's often people. I do get asked periodically why aren't the angels and the archons and the gardenals and the eladrin and all the other all these other goody goodies up in the upper planes taking any measure of action against the blood war? Yeah, and yeah. the answer is. Not an easy one to summarize, but the best way I can do it is this. Given the choice between patience and rashness, which is the virtue, Mm. and the virtue is, of course, patience. And I think that's the way a lot of angels intuitively behave. If the upper planes are the embodiment of all that is virtuous, then patience must be in their fundamental, for lack of a better term, DNA. Yeah. And so they, understand, they must understand patience and the benefits of it more than any other creatures in the multiverse if they are truly in the embodiments of this, of this virtue. And so I think what happens is a lot of angels say, I'm going to be patient because one of several things is going to happen. Either I believe that as long as the blood war rages and demons and devils are dying, the multiverse is becoming a safer place. Right. For every demon or devil that dies, we're better off. So let it play out. There might be another angel, even longer lived and wiser still, who says, the blood war doesn't matter because this isn't the multiverse as it was meant to be. It will eventually destroy itself and a new multiverse will be born and that is the multiverse that we will shepherd and tend um, evermore. Until then, just let things play out. This will all be better in the end.
0: And there's also, uh, h- how do you answer the question of once you participate in the blood war, you lose your... High ground. Your, your goodness. Yeah. Well,
3: yeah, you do lose your goodness. And, and even more, there are some angels who believe that as soon as you intervene in the blood war, suddenly you become the enemy. Yeah. And now all that evil that was directed at itself is now turned on you. And that doesn't help either because angels consider themselves and others of their kind and good souls to be precious.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And every time an angel gets killed or an archon gets killed or an eladrin gets killed, that's a catastrophe. That is no small thing. You've destroyed a good and pure soul. Yeah. Uh, and so nobody's getting hurt. Nobody they care about. <laughs> anyway.
1: Well, the right. mortals
3: are getting hurt, but the mortals who will die will go to the upper planes and be protected. hmm so nothing really lost there.
0: Is there also the idea that, you know, devils and demons are, are expending their energies and then, yeah, and then if it ever right. goes towards yes. towards Mount Celestia, then that's a whole different problem that is exactly. going to have to, and, and if we right. intercede or do anything that would upset that yeah. very careful balance. Yes. Um, but there is a very specific example of, of the, the Heptimad, uh asking... Uh, a a angel mm-hmm. to investigate the blood war, right? And this, and then this, of course, changed everything.
3: Yes, yes. In in instances where angels have not been patient, or where they have expressed just expressed displeasure, or have been tasked with interceding in the blood war, things have almost never gone according to plan. Yeah. And Zariel, of course, being a prime example here, this this figure, this great figure, now corrupted and essentially leading a huge force of evil. Uh, that's not what anybody in the celestial host or the exalted host anticipated or wanted. And you could almost argue that yes. it,
0: by merely... Even if you have all the best of intentions, as yes. soon as you go down that path, yes. you're already corrupted. Right.
3: You're in the mud with the pigs at that point. Yeah. Um, and it, it's hard to get clean.
0: Um, are, are the archons or the, the heptabat? are they gods? Are they deities? <laughs>
3: They are super, super powerful, sublime, supreme individuals. They ha- wield power akin to deities. You might call them lesser gods mm-hmm. in a fashion um, because in theory you could be a worshiper of any of them.
0: Right, that's, yeah, and then so, you could get power from them. But they're uh,
3: not gods in the sense that they want it or they're looking for it or anything like that. They don't, you know, um, they've got a specific task that they aim to do. Um, and they, they're still, in many ways, uh, view themselves as martyrs. That's their job. If if push comes to shove and they're called upon, they have to sacrifice themselves for whatever the greater good is. Yeah, uh, They don't have necessarily time to sit around and do godly stuff like sip ambrosia and <laughs> eat, eat now, heavenly grapes. Are
0: there, I mean, and, and these are, the, the, the folks from Mount Celestia are the more lawful oh, yeah. good, right? So yeah. they, they would, of course, try to, follow these tenets no matter what, but right. are there chaotic good yes. forces that are like, hey, no, this is, we need to do something. We need to upset this balance because yeah. it's not good.
3: There, there are chaotic forces. Um, a good example of chaotic good, exalted folks, is the Court of Stars.
1: Mm.
3: Now, the Court of Stars is ruled by an Eladrin queen named Morwell. Uh, she has two consorts, a male and a female both Eladrin, and uh, she, she and her court exist in a demiplane that's sort of cast in a perpetual autumn, autumnal kind of setting. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
3: and it can attach itself or detach itself from any of the upper planes at any time on Morwell's whims. And Morwell's nature, which is much more mercurial and chaotic, means that she will or her agents will often meddle in the affairs of the multiverse for good reasons um, and beholden to nobody. So there's, a, there's something to play with there, this idea of the court of stars. Um, your characters, if you, be, you might just walk through a doorway mm-hmm. and find yourselves in it where agents of, Morwell are, sort of gu- Morwell are guiding you toward completing some task that will ultimately serve the greater good, as Morwell sees it, um, maybe slaying a demon or a devil or capturing one in a flask or something. Mm. But Morwell is this kind of fairy-like figure. So often what happens is you just get these little gifts handed to you from people you don't know, and you put them to use in, in the name of good and you don't even know that the, you're being manipulated or used in some ways as an agent of the court of stars. Um, but you get this strange feeling that people are, you know, watching you while you sleep and <laughs> doing all those unsettling things that fae like creatures like to do.
0: Could you uh as playing a warlock? I mean obviously a lot of the warlock stuff is yes. about having dark patrons, but what about right. a good yes? A you could choose patron. you could
3: choose essentially the um the fae patron but then apply it to uh Queen Morwell or the Court of Stars. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That would be very interesting. Fun. And so you're channeling her her power. You've made, it, you made a pact with her. That's really compelling for a good aligned warlock.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other kind of ways to, to insert some of this stuff in uh, uh, Dungeon Master games that are going on
3: now? I think the easiest way to do it in an ongoing campaign without actually, as we said earlier, kind of having something that requires you to go off to an upper plane, like you have to get the apple off a tree in in the beast lands or whatever, um, because that apple is the only thing that will save whatever. Uh, Apart from that, there are a number of minor monsters that you can use to kind of hint at the bigger world of the upper planes. Some of them already exist in the monster manual, uh, like blink dogs and coattles and uh, pegasi and treants and unicorns. All of these creatures have their roots back in the upper planes, they're all aligned toward good and are either used as messengers or couriers by gods or angels or archons or whatnot. Um, you could have a unicorn NPC show up as a representative of an upper planar force to aid the characters when they need to or to set them on a quest.
0: Mm. Right, they're um, good as, as quest exactly, givers. Exactly,
3: yeah. In uh, Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus, we, we took one of the creatures that hadn't been updated for 5th edition yet, the holophant, mm. Right, which is a small winged elephant. And put that in the story as a sympathetic NPC who can help guide you through the story and explain some of the things that are happening that you may not be able to intuit on your own. Uh, because this holophant was a companion of the angel Zariel before she fell and therefore can give you perspective on Zariel and what she was like before she became an archdevil. That's important. Which is kind of important if you're inclined to want to redeem her. Yeah. So so the hollyphant, whose name is Lulu, exists for that purpose. And I think that's a good use of an upper planar creature in an adventure as kind of a, a guide or a sounding board or a moral compass to help characters who might otherwise go astray. I like that too, right? Or even just as an exposition monster, right? right. Like, oh, yes. how are
0: you going to get that information yes. out there? Well, here's a companion. It's and-
3: also a reminder um, as going to the upper planes is that not everything in the D&D multiverse is out to kill you. And yeah. there are some things to aspire toward. And I think a campaign that reminds players of that um, will have an easier time selling players on doing good things. It's like, we're doing this because there is, there is a portion of the multiverse out there that is kind of rooting for us and that is worth saving. And we're not alone. We yeah, got, we got, not everything is crap. <laughs> That's All important right. to think about right now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's cool. All right, well, great. Uh, I love all that. Any other uh, final thoughts on on the upper planes or celestials? Uh, as as we close this down,
3: we haven't updated moon dogs yet. What are moon dogs? <laughs> Different than blink dogs? Yeah, they are. Um, there are a lot. We got a lot of dogs. Part of the reason is we got a ton of dogs in D anD. d We got wolves. We got wargs. We got blink dogs. We got like just dogs. Dogs. Devil dogs. dogs. Devil dogs. Exactly. Death dogs. And yeah. Two-headed dogs, three-headed dogs. <laughs> so, uh, moon dogs are native to the plain of Elysium. And they're good-aligned hounds, although you wouldn't know it necessarily to look at them because they're sort of blackish-blue midnight-colored. Oh, they have this horrible um, baying that can, that can scare evil creatures and probably frighten a few good, good children as well. <laughs> um, uh, but one of the things I love about them is that they've got um, almost like prehensile paws, and they can walk on their hind legs. Oh. So I always just imagined that if they could, they would just always walk around on their hind legs and probably like wear little smoking jackets. And they're like, Oh hello, hello. Harold. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Are we playing poker today? Right, yes. Yes. Uh, We're getting our portrait done. They also have a wine that dispels illusions, which I thought was just kind of funny. (laughs)
0: It's usually the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Usually you drink that
3: and there's illusions Uh, everywhere. I've always wondered what what, what a moondog would do, because they're they're actually highly intelligent. What a moondog would do if you just kind of threw a treat in front of one? (laughs) (laughs) What do you take me for? (laughs) But that looks delicious. Exactly. (laughs) I'm clearly torn. (laughs) Uh, That's all I got.
0: Uh, well, if anybody wants to get in touch with you uh, about finding more out about these planes, how can they do so?
3: I am on the Twitters at Chris Perkins DND.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much. We will be back with more segments next week. Bye-bye. Uh, that was a very good uh, Laurie Should know segment. Yes. I believe we learned a lot. We did, um, as About usual. all those things. Uh, maybe even c- you can use that when we're playing through Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. Probably. Yeah, just saying. It might Timely. It might give you something. Yeah. Or uh, Acquisitions Incorporated, it might give you something about that.
2: Or it might inspire you to start your own campaign.
0: Start your own Acquisitions Incorporated in hell. Done. Yes, done done and done, while also on a ship. And that right. way you can use Ghosts of Soulmarch, the ACK, Inc. book, and Baldur's Gate, Descent it's, into Avernus when it comes out. It's your d Make it yours.
2: When I was trying to explain to the kids that didn't know what D&D was, what yeah. it was, I'm like, you can play a hero. You can be anything you want. And they're like, can you be a goblin? Yes. Can you be a cupcake? Yes. Can you be a snake? Yes. You, yes. No matter
0: what you say, I'm going like, to say yes. Yes.
2: And then, like, the older kid was like, whatever you imagine is what you can be. I'm like, oh, oh wow. he's, you're good.
0: Was he the 11-year-old that yeah, we thought you were cool? He's
2: the one, yeah. He's the one that I gave the essentials kit to. Aw.
0: Like, I
2: feel like I can trust this with you. And I was like, thanks for saying I was cool in front of my kids. I know, that's right. You're like. <laughs> There's more where this came from. Yeah,
0: I can give you all the, know, the product that you You're going to
2: be in summer camp with him all summer.
0: <laughs> make sure you treat him cool. <laughs> like, make, I know. be friends with him.
2: Yeah. They, they were, like, hanging out with him. Oh, that's sweet. Butthead.
0: <laughs> They're kindred spirits, of
2: mm-hmm. course. hmm
0: um, okay. So let's get on to Mid. speaking with oh. uh, these amazing folks, Rand oh. and Ian. We'll, we'll yeah. let's get them into the on I forgot the, into, the
2: clicks happened. This, this, this is real. This is real.
0: You thought it was fake, but I'm it's ready. real. I'm ready. We're ready. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Okay. Go. We've got Rand Fishkin. Hello. Howdy. And Ian Laurie. Hello. Hello. Uh, we also have Shelly.
2: Yeah.
0: Still here. <laughs> Still here. Can't shake me. Still kicking it um you guys are uh uh friends right you guys know each other you've played dungeons and dragons together a few times ian
4: is the one who got me into dungeons and dragons no way oh yeah.
0: that was the first time you played first time i ever played
4: was about 14 months ago Yep.
2: whoa yeah not wow. even that long ago no
4: no
0: very recent wow so what was uh what, what was that like what was what was wh- how did he convince you to start rolling dice
5: it didn't really take convincing. It was
0: more of a Twitter conversation. Yeah, that's it
5: right. Sort of started. Yeah, yeah. It so Ian has
4: been, I, I, I want to say, very public, very out and open about his uh, obsession with Dungeons and Dragons, and I have been uh, nervous since I was twelve years old when I really wanted to play, and mm. I bought, I bought a you know third edition book, or wh- I can't remember which edition was out when I was twelve years old. But I got it, I was obsessed with it. I wanted to play all the time, and I brought it to school and I got made fun of relentlessly mm. to the point where uh, I hid any interest I had in it for literally a quarter century wow yeah so twenty five re- years you wrote about this yeah.
2: this was a really good article, and oh, it was thank like you. it was so i mean I, I know the end of the story so like but but still reading it I was like, oh, this poor guy.
4: I mean I think that I, I don't think that's a super unusual experience right we've talked to a number of folks who yeah.
5: I was yeah I was bullied relentlessly uh, um, okay. and part of it was I was not just bullied for Dungeons and Dragons so I think you know after you've had your first couple of playground beatings it's sort of okay to, for everyone to know that you're playing I'm making light of it but it, it wasn't that funny. I'm at not, the time. I'm getting
2: on Mama Bear. I'm like, well, tell yeah.
5: Me their right. names. Let's go right. back and tell time. me their right. names. Yeah, yeah. Well, most. I, yeah. I follow them on Facebook. I know I came out better, so it's all good.
0: That is true. That is usually how it works out. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, I had a similar but different in that we. Uh, I, I brought it. I, I got into Dungeons and Dragons with uh, this book. Actually, it was the it was the player's handbook. Uh, but then my parents, who were more uh, religious leaning, uh, mm. were like, no, 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 we can't do that, and and get it right out. Uh, so I, I didn't get to the stage of. Of actually getting made fun of but i just couldn 't actually play it ever, <laughs> but I, mean, I was fascinated like you yeah, I think that I think this happens to a lot of folks right who
4: who have some interest or obsession or uh, a hobby they want to get into, and they feel like they 're excluded from it yeah. um, you know, I know this is incredibly true. I was just reading the big polygon piece about Anita Sarkeesian mm-hmm. that came out last week, and you know talking about how these gamers in the video game world right had had tried to be such gatekeepers to to stop letting women into what they perceived as as their world, and I think I think for a long time D D was partially by association with the you know nerdiness and the geekdom and the getting beat up on the playground and made fun of that it became its own little walled garden, and so yeah. and then there was also this desire to be exclusionary, right, and and to see that turn around in the last. I don't know
5: how long it's been, honestly, but to see that turnaround has been amazing. It's sort of became, it's become part of the cultural mainstream. and, And, you know, <clears throat> before your time in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> you know, there were there were things like this uh, book called Mazes and Monsters and, and what we nicknamed the satanic panic where people literally thought that Dungeons and Dragons was right, demon and devil right. worship. And that's where my um, parents fell fell into Yeah, that, I mean that I, kind of line of thinking that it was yeah. somehow
0: opening doors into something occult or whatever. Yeah,
5: and I mean I don't want to cast aspersions on my mother who is wonderful, um, but when my aunt bought me Dungeons and Dragons and I'll just hold it up one more time. Nice. Um, you gotta, You got to show when, them how you Oh, make sure yeah. people sorry. knew that was your book. I signed this to make sure that people knew it was my book. Um, it says <laughs> For, me. Oh, M E and, and very it large ballpoint <laughs> pen. Some, it has some math from when I was calculating and uh, Ian, hit points the And Ian, how old were you nice. when you thought that me indicated only you? <laughs> 11? <laughs> okay. I, I had some issues. It's <laughs> a bit right? late. I'm going to say All that's right. a bit late. I had late. some issues. <laughs> um, No, I mean the first set I got was the box set and my aunt bought it for me and I don't think my mom spoke to my aunt for six weeks after that um, uh, because she had just read Maces and Monsters and she was sure I was going to end up running around in the sewers of East Brunswick, New Jersey. uh, She didn't take it away from you. No, and I was just going to say, you know, I I am half-joking. She did not take it away from me. Um, But there was a huge amount of panic and that made it even more insular because a lot of us were sort of like, you know, okay, you don't want to hear about this. you know, We will keep you out because we don't want – Right. Yeah, you know, we don't want you here. You don't want us. We don't want you either. Um, and that started a really exclusionary culture, yeah. I think, around Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. and it took a long time for it to, I think, kind of phase out of that. And I'm not, you know,
0: it was really when the launch of fifth edition, I think, came in 2014 that you know we started to really push like this game is for everyone and want everyone yeah. to, to to get a hold of it from here at the at the, at the office. And, and I think the the ripples of that was felt. Um, uh, uh, everywhere in the community, so it does feel a little bit more mainstream now. But you kept playing. You kept playing all kinds of of D&D and tabletop role-playing, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm.
5: for 20, well, 20 (laughs) years. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, we continued playing, and actually what we started seeing is the video game community started overlapping into Dungeons & Dragons. You know, you had PAX, and you had um, Acquisitions, Acquisitions, Inc., and things like that start up. Uh, And that sort of started to push it gradually into the mainstream. But... um, yeah, you know, went to a few other systems. I won't name them because I'm sitting at Wizards right now. Oh, no, that's all um, right. Okay, you know, White Wolf, uh, Dark Heresy, uh, GURPS, right. uh, you know, games like that. Mm-hmm. GURPS, you know, where it takes two hours to run one round of combat. Um, <laughs> a lot of games like that. And uh, what was it about
0: the, the, the tabletop role-playing game, but then D&D of, like, what what, what kept you engaged? What kept, why,
5: why were you always doing it? I was always in a group of friends that found it, really engaging. Mm. Uh, it was how we got together. It was our social, you know, it was our social time. uh, and it still is, you know, I have one group of friends who we have played together reasonably consistently since I moved to Seattle in 1993. Um, and it was a great way for us to get together. We're all pretty hardcore introverts, you know, and and it's just, it's something to do. Uh, And it becomes a story and you get engaged in it. You know, when you're sitting around a table and you start talking about some event that happened in the game 15 years ago, it drives the Dungeon Master crazy, but it tells you something about the game uh, and just how involved you get and, and tied up in it you get. And it's an escape. I mean, it's, it's an yeah. invaluable escape.
4: Yeah, this connects with something that I um, had read actually a couple of years previously and then have been in following. And it ties in with a lot of um, broad social trends, but um, you know, there's this sort of, I don't know what you want to call it, um, I think a a worrisome um, problem, especially among men in their 30s, 40s, 50s, where they start to lose friends over time.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and this is this is also true, I think, for for Americans in general, as as we get a little less uh, socially cohesive in a lot of ways, and and obviously technology is a part of that, and so too is um, being distant from family and that and that kind of thing. But uh, I think it's particularly pernicious or pronounced in terms of a statistical trend for men to, to not have friends and one of the items that um, that the articles that I had read or the research I'd read talked about was that men often find it difficult to hang out and not do something together mm-hmm. yeah. right they need they, they sort of need an activity I don't know if it's need or want or, or socialized to want um, but Dungeons and Dragons is kind of amazing for that. Yeah. Yeah. It is, you know, it's this thing that that brings, obviously, not just men, especially now, right? It's. Um, I think I read, Charlie. Did I read right that forty percent of of D and D players, customers are yeah, women? Yeah, that's
2: the our latest our latest data. Yeah, so around it's that, around forty percent.
4: Yeah, which is which is remarkable and pretty much matches Ian and I's experience. I think yeah. about forty yeah. percent of the people that we play with generally are, um, are women, and be be wonderful to see that balance out even more. But it has this it has this power to to bring people together along these vectors that are ridiculous right it's it's improv group storytelling in fantasy world um and and yet uh it builds incredible bonds
0: it does it does and I think you're right I think there is this this trend uh at least anecdotally I can say it's it's occurred with me I've moved around a bunch of times but like there is uh, a, a, a difficulty in getting uh, people together, just in general, as you said building right. building mm-hmm. new friendships, right? right? And mm-hmm. those, and that has now happened once I start more weekly games and things like that. You're like, all right, here's here's a, an excuse to kind of get together and, and actually, to be honest, you know, probably 50 percent of the time together is actually not playing the game. No, that's <laughs> it's right. actually just talking and being yeah. social. Yeah. and then oh, right, by the way, we have to get into this and, and let's kill some monsters. Well, but, and that's so that, yeah. it's so healthy. Yeah,
2: you know, like yeah. even even just that, even just like well, we're together and we're just talking and we're having fun and we're socializing face to face. And oh yeah, we're playing this game. Yeah. Too, but still, it brought you to the, I mean,
4: I lo- to the table. I mean, I love yeah. that. I love that aspect. I was walking over to um, a friend's house, of a friend of Andrew Borer's, mm. um, to play with, with this new group uh, that I didn't know very well in Ballard. And uh, I had in my pockets a folded up piece of paper, a pencil, and some dice. Yes. And I thought to myself, oh my God, this could be. 1971, mm-hmm. or 1991, or I 2001. I walked
2: there, too. Yeah, You should right? have like gotten like, on your bike and rode over
5: exactly. there. Exactly. Without a helmet. Sort of stranger <laughs> thing style,
4: yeah. <laughs> without a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Defeating the Demogorgon at the end yeah. of yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you don't need anything but your, you know, your head and a piece of paper and a pencil and some dice. It's it's kind of remarkable. It has that um, throwback association. It's such a an in-person, you know, you are there with your friends, um, it's yeah. it's wonderful.
5: Yeah, well, it's great to have an environment where you can have each other's backs, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, um, that's kind of that's kind of fun. This too.
4: is this is one of the things Geraldine loves about Geraldine is my wife. Just um, I'm sure you'll have her on the podcast at some point. She's <laughs> very famous and amazing, but uh, she she loves this fact that um, there's no winner and loser. No
0: one, you're not mm-hmm. playing against someone. It's a know? cooperative yeah, event. Everyone's trying to get their different. Uh, 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 skills and, and, and to, to do one goal together.
4: Yeah, exactly. You're, you're trying to tell the most amazing story that you can as a group. You're trying to maximize your fun together um, and that is and that doesn't mean that every night, every minute is fun, right? Some minutes can be very tense. Some can be uh, scary. Some can be um, a little slow, so, right? And then when the action picks up again when things resolve themselves you know, it's like a, it's like a great play. Right. It, it yeah. It comes back together. Yeah. Nice. are right. You guys are doing this all for us. I,
1: I know. Love I'm this. just like I'm just gonna sit back.
0: Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait. You you hired us to do marketing, right? No, right. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. and to that point, both of you are marketing, run marketing companies here in the Seattle area, right? So talk a little bit about that, and then uh, uh, and then maybe we can talk about how Dungeons and Dragons uh, uh, can fit into that. Yeah. Sure. Or influences. Yeah. I'm sure. It does. You want to go first, or? Sure. Well, so I'll just say I, run a, um,
4: I ran a software company uh, here in Seattle that provides software for marketers, uh, specifically to help with search engine optimization, and uh, Ian runs a, a marketing company you know, with consultants and people who, who help do marketing. Uh, but both of us speak at a lot of events. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably the first time that well, I found I out. See,
5: we, we lived and worked within two miles of each other, <laughs> and we first met in Stockholm. Yeah, oh, at a con- oh, really?
4: Speaking at a that conference. happens all yeah, the time. So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Stockholm. It, yeah. it's, it's what brings... Jewish geeks in
0: Seattle together. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's,
5: it makes perfect sense when you get right down to it. Right. Oh, how fun! I
0: know. I, I, had f- I have friends in the video game industry that is like,
5: oh yeah, we're going to be in E3, and
0: we should meet up for blah, blah blah. I'm like, you know, we live in the same area mm-hmm. in Seattle. We mm-hmm. don't have to
5: only meet <laughs> up in a LA. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Well, which comes back to Dungeons and Dragons because now we get together all the time. Nice. Um, That's right. Yeah. So I run an agency, uh, a digital agency, uh, and we do all the consulting stuff. Um, You know, a lot of time going out and helping clients kind of get their message out, sort of like you might sit around a table and get your message out playing a game, Um, you know, just for the tie in there. You're welcome. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I started the company in 1995. So I've been doing this for a while. Sweet.
4: Yeah. And uh, I, you know, uh, dropped out of college a few years after Ian had started his company Portent um, and started this this. Company Moz with my mom, of all.
0: Yeah. Really? nice. Yeah, I think uh, least
4: uh, least common venture backed startup is mom and son uh, co founders. But that's that's what we were.
1: Oh, that's uh. pretty adorable.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really sweet. And uh, basically, you know, ended up raising some money and uh, starting this company. I think Moz is probably. Mm, 220-ish people now. I was going to say, Rand oh, wow. is
5: underselling. Um, Moz is one of the sort of industry juggernauts in well, the nicest and, possible way. Thank you. Yeah, uh,
4: that's very kind. And to be clear, I, I'm not there anymore. I left uh, just about a year ago um, to play Dungeons & Dragons full time. <laughs> nice. I love this. <laughs> you yeah. can do that,
2: you
4: know. <laughs> uh, I, I mean... Don't get with, me wrong. With your mom as the, yeah. as the, as the co-founder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, my mom, one of the only people when I was 12 years old who was willing to play with me.
2: Oh, she's really amazing. That's
5: awesome. Wow. Really Major sweet. points for Jillian. Yeah, okay. yeah. can, can we, we, trade, can we can trade moms? Can't <laughs> oh, go back ouch. In time. Was, ouch.
0: Wow. <laughs> sorry, was, sorry, mom. I know you're not sweet. listening it was to this. Very sweet. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> <obviously>, <laughs> I mean,
2: she doesn't even know you work here. She doesn't really know I work.
0: Wait, she'd be so mad at you. No, no, she does, but she kind of ignores it. Okay, because she's still very Catholic. I, yeah, that's, uh, fair. Okay. that's fair. Yeah, that's she fair. Yeah, she kind of ignores it. She, she kind of does. I'm not gonna lie. She's like, "Oh yeah, how's your job. Okay, good. Bye." So so I'm how going do to you hell. feel about it's this? Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey,
4: this is pretty much. We're also going to be providing therapy during these mm-hmm. next few great. minutes. We have Marketing had a few uh,
0: psychologists come on too. So that. Oh, okay.
2: Under the guise of like, we want to talk to you about D and D, and really it's like, I don't. I don't like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so does that, does that come out me. in
4: people's playing style and their characters? Like, do you have you seen? I imagine people... it,
2: Their backstory. There's like sometimes a common thread. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I
5: every character I have has murdered their parents. No, oh, I'm kidding. Seriously? Oh, geez. <laughs> that's a joke. Wow. That's a total joke. Wow. I am kidding. Everyone's like, not, whoa! It just that got that dark. That's not true. Whoa. That is But there is, that is a thing where like yeah. everybody has like yeah. a certain trope that yes. they fall back on,
0: yes. and I bet there is some trend there that. Someone more educated in, in, well, in psychology Dr. could talk to Dr. Megan there.
2: Connell can tell you about She does panels at conventions about mm. people like finding out truths about yourself through your character's backstory. Yeah. Mm. It's very I'm, interesting. I'm not she, sure
5: I want to know. I know. I, I, I kind of – I do not want to know.
2: I dug in a little. I'm like, well, I don't understand why mine – all my characters always have, like, a, a terrible relationship with their families. Oh, yeah. Or like, they're always just like, I'm leaving and I'm going off to do this other thing. And I'm like, but I love my family. We're very close. We've, I don't have any issues with them. And she was like, well, maybe you're. this is your safe way of exploring what yeah, it would I was be like say, if you didn't. A lot mm. of
5: people play characters, I think, that are sort of the opposite. Yeah. Right. One thing, you know, that is always funny to me as a Dungeon Master is I never see characters with backstories of, you know, they grew up at home in the suburbs. And they had a good life. And they they had a good life. And then they went out, and you know, they went to college and graduated. And you know, they decided to do this. Four years
4: at Clown College. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly, exactly.
5: No no one's going to. No one's going to follow Master's degree at Clown
0: College. Get right into the voices immediately. All right. Oh, oh, sorry. I was, I was Sideshow Bob
4: from (laughs) The Simpsons. And then Cecil says, "I'll thank you not to refer to Princeton that way." (laughs) Uh, But. You know, I think for the for the exploration, you know, I have um, so I I have become a a DM myself. You
2: have, I have. Let's go go, go back to when you first started playing, right? Because we got to go back to like a couple of things. Okay, okay, Yes. One, you when you were twelve and you your interest in D anD D peaked and then it went terribly awry.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But I I can remember a time like around ten when I had these awesome like white pleather boots and I wore them to school and I was like I'm so cool look at me and everyone made fun of me yeah. and then I ran home and I threw them away and never wore them again and I never even thought about them until right now when you were telling your story oh. but like you you still liked like there was something still about D&D like it never all of these people who made fun of you or made fun of D&D and all the stuff that you heard about D&D you still were interested in it
4: I mean I think that I I just suppressed it right I I pushed it down and I, you know, would occasionally find, I don't know, an article online and I'd read it privately to myself (laughs) and, you know, occasionally I would, you know, when Geraldine was out of town or something, I would watch, um, you know, Lord of the Rings movies or whatever. I would – I played video games, so I played, I played the Baldur's Gate series mm-hmm. and Planescape Torment, which I was obsessed with. kind of, like,
2: danced around it. Yeah,
4: right? <laughs> like, you know, I, I played the video games because yeah. no one sees you, right? No one can see you doing it. And,
2: and video games are, like, oddly, like, like they were more acceptable. Somehow accepted. they're cool. Like, yeah, somehow,
4: like, yeah, somehow okay more acceptable. But alone. Even, even, even then I was embarrassed by what game I would play. You know, my, my little brother, Evan, would be like, oh, what games are you into? i like, um, uh, y- you know, Zelda right like just right. whatever street, mainstream street fire. Right. yeah i
1: got to play yeah
4: yeah fire. oh uh, yeah. counter strike you know I'm, real, yeah. I'm good at that <laughs> whatever it was right like i i just didn't I, I had this this part of me that i didn't want to expose to anyone and so then ian for years had been very public and out and i i mean it's it's amazing like i credit you with bringing this this wonderful joy into my life because you Thanks. you, Thanks, you know you talked about good job, so, Ian. <laughs> so ian i think it was <laughs> Maybe it was a conference in Portland that you spoke at, and, yeah. you, and you gave a talk that literally was: "Here is all this marketing and search engine optimization stuff, but in the style of D anD. d So you used ability scores. And- well, I taught. Yeah, oh, really? no,
5: I, Well, I actually talked about how you know I learned how to do marketing playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. And at one point in there, I think I did the calculation and realized that I had accumulated. 15 million gold pieces or something like that. <laughs> Over the course um, of your entire marketing yeah. career. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. but yes, I gave a talk about marketing and Dungeons and & Dragons. Ooh.
2: Can you um, do that talk here?
5: Uh, absolutely. I feel
2: like that would be a great one. For- absolutely,
5: yeah. Let's do it. It, it, was, it
4: was lovely. Like, it was wonderful. And I, I was in the back of the room. I was... Embarrassed to be in the room, right? I felt like, oh no, people are going to know this is
5: resonating with me. <laughs> it's my job. I make, <gasps> oh God, I really? make people uncomfortable. Yes. That's Wait, what I do. This
2: article, this <laughs> with was those talks, really, that's what those are designed to do. It was mm-hmm. that article really affected me. Oh, like it was. It's. I hope that we can link to it in the show notes. We should. Okay, because what was the name of the article? Oh gosh, I think it was on
4: Geekwire. Right? A story about shame and failure. I think was. Yeah, the Yeah, it was title. really yeah. good.
2: It was just, but like, you really were like.
4: Yeah no, I, for I was super time. fighting it. I'm in the back of this room. I'm feeling this intense like, oh god, people are going to see that I know what Ian's talking about. That I I get all his references, even though I'm not supposed to because I don't I don't play this game. You know, right. I'm laughing at the um, in jokes. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. laughing at the in jokes. Yes. Oh, no, no, yes. and I talked and,
5: about the gazebo. So anyway, well, the dread Sorry. gazebo. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
4: and I had this, <laughs> I had this like. Um, I, I don't know how to how to put it, but over the over the next few years, sort of had this realization that that it's not that Ian is doing something embarrassing; it's that I am the one who's afraid of liking something. Mm. Right? I'm the one who has the problem, not my friend Ian has a problem. And if I can just—I mean, you do have a problem. Well, <laughs> well we know that's that. We,
5: thank you. Not <laughs> Not your problem. Um, you know, one quick side story is I was very embarrassed by Dungeons and Dragons when I lived in New Jersey. But when I was 14 or 15, we moved to California, mm. and I was hanging out on the playground, you know, brand new at a high school, all this stuff,
0: and this. Wait, so this was the Karate Kid plot, right? (laughs) Okay, just want to make sure.
5: (laughs) Only if I was the one who got repeatedly beaten up in the background. so this kid comes up to me and says, "You look like you'd play Dungeons and Dragons," and I kind of went, Shh, you know, yeah. "Shut
2: up! What are you doing? you <laughs> Going to
5: get me killed?" Um, and joined a gaming group, and you know, oh, we he said were, that
2: in a good way. Like,
5: oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, group. it wasn't the pretense. It wasn't like the no. It wasn't. It wasn't the lead in. And we ended up playing together, and it became more sort of acceptable. You know, my. My girlfriend knew that I played Dungeons and Dragons, you know, all these things. And it suddenly became much more acceptable. So, I mean, as young as 15, I have to give a lot of credit uh, to that group and Mm -hmm. to, you know, that move to kind of shake it loose for me. But so I know how hard it was for folks who didn't have that. Yeah. Right. There was no one who walked up to them and said, hey, I'll bet you play Dungeons and Dragons. Would you like to join our group? You know, if you didn't have anyone doing that, it was really hard. To get into the game. It's Absolutely. true.
0: Well, especially having that like trust of like, oh, right, you are accepted into our yeah. our hobby and yeah. friend group. Like that's that's yeah. a huge part of, of of doing it. Which is almost like what you did for Rand.
4: Yeah, and now uh, you know now Geraldine and I try and do it for tons of other people. Right, mm-hmm. we have dragged all these people in our lives into our little D and D world. Like, hey, come over and try. You know, why don't you join our group and and play? A um, uh, friend of mine. Uh, who is, is based here in Seattle? His, his company is called Glowforge. Uh, Dan Shapiro. He's also an investor in in my new company. And he was like, "Hey, I, I, I read this thing about you're getting into D anD uh, I want to play. Like, can we put together a group?" And so now, uh, Ian's joined the group mm-hmm. once, but I have you know four or five of my investors who come over a- almost every week. I'll Maybe. be back.
5: Don't yeah, worry. yeah, you I should, will be. You back.
4: should be back, <laughs> yeah. right? And and come over every almost every week, and we all play together. It's awesome. kind of remarkable. And
2: it's only been 14 months since you've it's been liberated. Month.
5: Yeah. All right, so what happened the so yeah. that session 14 months ago? What was that like? What, so
2: what, what was, was this like? tweet, though, <laughs> that you finally like, so, felt? Well, yeah, I was, well
5: I, me and a few other people in the industry, you know, we all tweet pretty consistently. And I tweeted something about some game and something that had happened. And a friend of ours, Gianluca, said something else. And then I think you came in and said something like, I'm really embarrassed to ask, but can we please have a game sometime? Yeah. And I said, of course. Um, that was bold. Yeah. Well, I, I had just left. I had just left my um, my old right company, at, yeah. Moz, and so I had
4: this kind of, you know, a little, little downtime. I had some severance pay, and I, um, you know, I was just
0: spinning the up something new. Perfect time to get perfect, into D&D. Yeah. yeah. Perfect yeah. time
5: to get into something uh, new. The
0: disposable income. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
5: so, so me and my wife Dawn, who also plays, um, got together with Rand and Geraldine and. Tony Wright, yeah, and that's right. Andrew Borer, who yeah. played remotely, I think, rolling dice on his iPad, um, <laughs> and we did a, a little kind of startup that turned into more of a campaign. But uh, it started in one little city where they did the classic—you know, you're trying to get ownership of a bar, and you go do these things, and then you get ownership of this cool bar called the Green Slot, and you know, you sort of—I mean, doing the classic—the classic
4: part was, you know, Ian uh, is is role-playing this monster. It's a it's a hag, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and the the monster uh, uh, kills my
5: character. I almost killed Rand. I was just going to ah, say in the first on game, the first session, the first game. All game this time I disemboweled to play. him.
4: I disemboweled him, and then he was me. hooked. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's yeah. true. Then I was hooked. Right, I had this. Oh. I am getting revenge. He was ticked, you know, He was ticked. I'm going to be a
2: dungeon master.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to kill your character, Ian. So what was first the char- time? Yeah, right.
2: The, this was your very first, very, time very first time. So tabletop.
4: Geraldine and I are making our characters, and we're, we're emailing with Ian, like, okay, how do we do this? Was you it know,
2: Geraldine's we, first time too?
4: Yes, yes, I'm pretty sure it yeah, was. But, um, yeah. Although Geraldine has done a lot of like improv and debate stuff, and so she and she was comfortable from minute one, mm. right? Where, where, whereas I was, you know, my ears are red and I'm. You know, just kind of breathing hard as we're going into this. It was great. It um, was all good. But so we we made these characters where Geraldine plays this, this giant warrior Goliath, Goliath. Yep. nice barbarian, uh, and I am a small halfling who has a crush on her and lives in her backpack.
2: Oh, oh. That's, that's a
4: pretty good combo. Uh, and I'm a rogue, so I you know I can I can jump out of the backpack yes. and then stab yeah. things. Yeah, nice. Yeah. But the backpack has been not it has as helpful sort of as you think. Sort of worked against
5: him in the yeah. That's yeah. you know this happen,
1: you
4: I've, I've been, been promised, killed in I do three not have of think, the five sessions knocked,
5: knocked unconscious. <laughs> knocked unconscious. <laughs> um, and this is not – it's not personal. It's really not. But, yeah, they ended up in a fight <laughs> Thanks, against <buddy>. – <laughs> They ended up again in a fight against a monk and he pops out of the backpack, just slashes the monk limb from limb. And, of course, the monk then sees him go back into the backpack and does a spinning kick and just clubs the backpack. And you hear this kind of – and then the Aww. backpack goes limp. <laughs> and I was like oh, –
0: Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's like oh, it's a target. All of a sudden, the backpack. Yeah, yeah. you right. know, I'm and at I'm, uh, a, I'm at full hit
4: points, but uh, full hit points for my low constitution. Yeah, not very much. Very
0: very low. That's yeah. fun. All right, so then that was your first session, and Geraldine loved it too. Did you got Geraldine
4: it? loved it too. So we've been yeah. So she plays in this in this group that I have, um, and uh, she's she's kind of a a centerpiece. Like she just her characters are so creative and inventive. Her her voice acting, I guess it's voice acting, right? Yeah. yeah. Is so, so high quality and she really, um, I think she knows that I love it too. And so she leans into this. It's, you know, it's something that you do for your partner. When you know your partner loves something, has this passion, you lean into that thing more heavily than you otherwise might. And I think Geraldine enjoys it, but I don't know if she'd be, you know, an obsessive player the way, the way I
0: probably would be. If um, Yeah. Well, and what I like about this story, too, is it's it's a way for you to hang out with your wife in a way that's not, you know, and and yours Mm -hmm. as well. To like just, oh, we're going to play together. And this is just something we do with like family friends that like, you know, people that go out to dinner together or go on vacation together.
5: Like, no, we play D&D together as our couple group. And it is the same thing with Dawn. Uh, And she's and I love her for this. She's very dedicated to the game, mostly because I am. Of course, it doesn't hurt that every time we play with Rand and Geraldine, they cook. Basically, a gourmet meal that we eat before every game. It's very strange because I'm used to eating Domino's pizza, right in the middle of <laughs> the Cheetos, game. And yeah. Cheetos, and you know they'll put out these great you know roasts or steaks or whatever else. That by the time we're playing, I'm kind of falling asleep, which I think uh-huh. is a tactic. I was as well, to say that's a good tactic. Yeah, for your yeah, DM. yeah,
2: and Geraldine is a James Beard Award winner. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah so she, she. Let's just, give her a shout yeah, out. Shout out. <laughs>
4: good job. She is. She's um, not for cooking, but, but for which, writing. For writing, yeah, for her writing. Which, uh, which just won the, the award and she um, I think leverages a lot of those writing skills in, in the game yeah. right? so she has um, really fun backstories that she adds to characters and she um, is super creative with, uh, um, with her plots and
0: uh, it, yeah it just goes great So uh, what was it like – I mean, you've probably done this a bunch, but dungeon mastering for new people. Uh, Obviously, when they're younger, it's much easier to kind of mold those things. But it's interesting to me that you had so many new players that were adults and fully formed humans with their own ideas about things. Uh, What's it like introducing those type of people? And did you know,
2: like – how badly he wanted to play at yes. this point. Okay, yeah. so that there was so additional pressure did, was to make his. I was absolutely. trying to keep it on. the come on. <laughs> he saw you tweeted me. in the back How, of his you talk. You have three
5: hundred thousand <laughs> fans on Twitter, and you tweeted me saying, "Can I please play Dungeons and Dragons with you?" That's a pretty. That seemed like a pretty. Uh, you were pretty interested. <laughs> but, yeah. So, you know. Um, so I, you know <laughs> running new games for folks, uh, I love doing it, and I loved running it for them. And Rand, this is going to be really awkward, but I was really nervous running a game for Rand and Geraldine because you know these are these two very high-powered people. Yeah, I mean, I'm a guy who ran a, runs a consulting firm. That's what I do. I built it a brick at a time through pure pig-headed stubbornness, and you've got these two basically rock stars um, I, I'm just saying. Uh, so, it, it, there was, you know, we're all friends, but there was a little bit of pressure there. You, know, you got to there, perform. Yeah, okay. there's there a little bit of pressure there.
4: Yeah. Well, it I, was fun too, though. Yeah, I mean, I think I think obviously you did an extraordinary job because we f- instantly fell in love, right? Yeah. And that's, that's, so that's you're hired. Special yeah. thing. I'm higher, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Uh so, but, yeah. but did you change
0: up your tactics as a dungeon master?
5: Like, did you want to ease them into it? Or did, he you know, almost killed them. You almost killed yeah, them, no, right? there, there was, was <laughs> no easing into it. Uh, well, okay, just. What do they say? Never split the party. Yeah. Okay. He went chasing after Hag on his own. Oh. I just want to point that out. That's right? a good It's point. not like I went gunning yeah. for him. Yeah. So I, I just want to make sure. Sometimes um, you have
0: to learn those lessons, the hard way. Yeah. You know what? to let him And fail. he didn't
5: die. There were some bits hanging out, but he didn't <laughs> die. It was all good. Um, you didn't need that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't need that spleen anyway. No. It's, it's, <laughs> um, it weighs vestigial. down, man. Completely unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. Um, So I think that I think one of the things
4: that um, that Ian did and that uh, I really picked up on and have tried to use in my own DMing is to pick up on the things that your players love. Yeah. Right. So um, I mean, I you folks are probably familiar with with Matt Colville, the guy who does videos on YouTube. So I had watched a bunch of his videos to try and learn more about the game. And uh, one of the things that he said really stuck with me, which is someone had asked him, he was DMing, and someone asked him. Did you have a good time, right? Did you have fun tonight? And he and his response is always, "Did you have fun?" Then I had fun,
1: mm-hmm.
4: right? If the if That's your players right. have a good time, right? If your players enjoy what they're doing, you have a great time. And I think Ian really applies that, right? He he learned, oh, Rand and Geraldine, the, the mechanics, the, the you know the specifics of how much to add to this dice roll or maximize, you know, optimizing their character sheet they're less interested in that. Yeah. The story. They love the story, well, right? They yeah. love the narrative. Let's lean into narrative, right? Let's let's give this hag some background. Let's, you know, let's give this world some depth and richness. Yeah. And uh, I think I found that that works great as well, right? Yeah. Learning what my players love. I have a player who is obsessed with, you know, magical items, right? And just every <laughs> little thing that he can get. We um, both know who we're <laughs> We <we're> talking about. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm- Geraldine is upset, right? I knew that Geraldine is a huge fan of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So I made this magical item in our game that is, it's called the Folio of the Wondrous Bard. Oh, and sweet. Their, uh, their characters can memorize a line from a Shakespearean play oh, and then cool. like get a little magical bonus that it that's connected to it. So each week they send me their folio lines, right? So they'll have a, you know, here's a line from Coriolanus. Here's a line from As You Like It. Here's a line from... Julius Caesar, right? And they they stand up and they perform in front of their, you know, the rest of the party, and then use this
5: this book. And in the so I came into play in his game, and I knew I had this line to recite it, but didn't know when. So all of a sudden, middle of something, I just stood up and recited the line. Everyone looks at me like, "What? No, that was not the right time." What's wrong with you? So um, you know, context is everything. Yeah, I you know, I'm a big. Storyteller world building DMs, yeah. so it did make that game really enjoyable for me. Um, every party has a mix of people who are really rules driven and very story driven, right. so but it, it it was really fun and easy to introduce them to the game when the first thing they were looking for was story, yeah. Um, so you mentioned
0: how, uh, Rand, how you have investors coming to play <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons, which is every, don't yeah. kill the investors, it's no a kidding. mix, don't kill that's the a very investors. big, uh, I don't know, that's uh, mixing business and pleasure with uh, 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 you know the, the creativity of Dungeons & Dragons could not be the best idea, but it sounds like it's working really well. Uh, and I was yeah. thinking about when um, uh, World of Warcraft first came out, and there was all these articles about how World of Warcraft was like the new oh, gulf. Yeah. You remember mm-hmm. these, yes. these things? Yes. And they're like, that's how business leaders, especially in Silicon Valley, are meeting up and, and making connections and, and increasing their networks out there. Is, is that happening with Dungeons & Dragons, at least here in the Seattle area? Or is that just... <sighs> Local to you, I I am not hundred percent sure, but certainly in the
4: small circle that you know Ian and I have, which has reasonable exposure to, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of Seattle's um, not all the tech leaders, but but some of them, uh, there is there is some of that happening. Uh, I don't think it's big yet. I don't think it's the way World of Warcraft was, maybe you know whatever that was ten yeah. fifteen years ago. Uh, but it would not surprise me at all to see that happening more and more five to ten years from now. Mm. And I think that um, it's an awesome thing, right? As long as people are inclusive about it. One of the things that I really um, that I have seen very much happen in investor world, not to like take us way off track in in the business world, but um, they are very insular, right? It's a very insular community. Breaking in is really hard. You know, you you talk about diversity and inclusion inside D&D, i mean i don 't think four percent of venture investors are women yeah i, I don't i don 't think that four uh, percent of capital has gone to women founders and CEOs right It is a tremendously exclusive you know old boys network. If you look like Ian and i you you 're probably okay
0: right and if you don't Everything is a million times harder, which is why I'm wondering why Dungeons and Dragons might be the the leg up, right? Because be all beautiful. of a sudden there'd be these ways to create these networks amongst people that uh, you know could build up trust and then want to invest in, in companies with with people who don't look like you. Yeah, and I think un- unfortunately, you know, for for better
4: for worse, I mean generally for worse, right? the investor world is very driven by who you know and who you're connected to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you've spent time with someone, you've gotten to know them, you're like, oh, yeah, I like that person. I, I know them. I trust them. They're a friend. They're a friend of a friend. They have a bunch of connections They in cast common. cure wounds on me when I exactly. needed it most. Or, or they disemboweled me right. in a back
5: alley. <laughs> you know? But it was a... <laughs>
4: Whoops. But in a good way. <laughs>
5: you know, it was done with it love. It was for the story. <laughs> this, is, yes. exactly. this will hurt me more yeah. than it hurts you. Yeah, so
4: I, I hope that, that those kinds of things can, can help. Certainly um, having spaces that are inclusive, that connect people who wouldn't otherwise be connected, um, well, that, that can only be a good thing.
5: And I say. also think you know, the, the venture capital community especially is very much about how do I do this right and there's a certain set of rules, and this is something where I, I cannot break in. Um, when you get a bunch, bunch of people around a table with dice pretending that they're someone else, a lot of that suddenly drops away. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it makes it easier for people to kind of get in someone else's shoes, and it makes it easier for them to interact in a way that's a little bit less restricted, constricted, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the empathy piece of, of yeah. Dungeons & Dragons, sure. um, yeah.
4: of gaming in general, is, just, is a really beautiful thing.
5: Well, and cracking inhibition. Uh, yeah, that's a good way. point too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: right. Because yeah. you, you know, you talk. I, I think about this discomfort that I had with D anD D, and you know, had in the back of the room listening to your session. Had our first few sessions together, and now, you know, I, um, I can I can prep for a game, and I can sit down at the table and put up the screen after dinner, and. I feel fine. All right, I feel comfortable. Good. Uh, my heart rate isn't one hundred and ten. You know, just and I knew you
2: can talk about DNA,
4: and I can talk about I can talk about it with friends. I yep. can introduce
5: it to other people. I can say that I that I'm a fan of it. Um, I knew that yeah. Rand that you had made a major step when you uh, when we got together at a conference and you said. What does it mean that I'm more nervous about the game I'm running tonight than the fact that I'm about to get on stage and oh speak? Oh, my
2: God. Yeah,
5: right? I'm about to get on stage and yeah. speak in front of 1,000 people yeah. for, for an hour, and I'm like, nah,
4: th- this is the easy part yeah. of my day. Yeah. The hard part is tonight when yeah. my players are coming over. Yeah.
0: Just
5: wait until you're dungeon mastering in front of 1,000 people. Yes, yeah I we Wait, have what? we have well we have casually talked about this, and I think a live play at some big uh, marketing. Okay, conference. You, you should know. totally no,
0: do it. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you been, have you? I mean, here in Seattle at Benaroya Hall on, at PAX West, have you been to the Acquisitions Incorporated games? I've listened to it. I don't. Um, I don't know about this. Yeah, oh, so uh, for the last decade really? or so, uh, we have been working with Penny Arcade, the people who run PAX, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the Benaroya Hall here in Seattle uh, sold out. Full of people watching a group play Dungeons and Dragons, and it's you hear the crowd, and everyone gets imagine. excited about it. I have and completely so failed you guys. You. can totally do this at I marketing com- events.
5: I have completely failed you by not. You're invited to oh, in this out. You've, come, you've, come, there's so oh, much. This Packs there's West. There's so
2: much for you to explore.
5: I, yeah, wh- I have never managed incredible. to
0: get tickets. Was, is this on tickets, video? Can you It is on video. Yeah. There's tons of and, and yeah. you know w- watch all the episodes up to it but there is something about being in the space it's like it's a kind of oh, yeah. watching you know listening to a live show yeah. of music you're like oh this is fantastic but when you're yeah. actually in the space with all of those people who are like you who get a, hang on every word and I'm like oh my god I get all these references and yeah, you're and, getting yeah. all the
2: in jokes at the same yeah. time and like you're all and laughing you're together all part of the adventure it's when
5: just, when you understand great. what oh. I say about the New Hampshire dark magics then you will have joined you will have joined us okay uh,
2: it's a I state love, in the
5: Northeast. It's, I love yeah.
2: the idea of playing it at a marketing
5: company. Oh, we have I to. Know, right? So, all right? all right. and we question
2: for both of you. If you were playing with potential investors, is there anything that, do you think you can tell about their character by the way they play D&D? Like, is there anything they could do in the game that you'd be like, oh, hell no, you're not touching my company. Don't want your money.
4: Yes, um, I have, so, <laughs> it, well, it depends on how you're raising money, first off. <laughs> For example, if they are participating in a round, but they're not going to sit on your board of directors or have a vote, it's it's fine, right? You you could take money from a lot of people. Uh, If, however, we're talking about someone who's going to have a voice in the future of your company and how it's run, yeah, I think that you can learn an incredible amount about somebody from the way that they play, right? You you pick up on how... how they respond to other people, right? Yeah. How uh, give and take they are, how domineering they are in conversation, mm-hmm. how much they include feedback and remember details, how they apply those. Um, a lot of a lot of the empathy piece.
2: Yeah,
0: right? Also
4: no chaotic
5: evil. Yeah. I was just going to say, no no chaotic evil. they, they evil. only play. They <laughs> only <laughs> play drow that yeah. want to kill you and take um, away all of your stuff, and, and you're like. Mm. And seriously, do they play against other players? Which can sometimes be fun and entertaining, but I'm not sure I want someone. Who that's the, That's what they lead with, and I know you know I have very little experience in this. So I in in the the investing world, um, but that would be my first instinct. I I was wondering about this. This is like a, a
0: slightly side <laughs> question. Are the drow inherently evil? They have been. Uh, I mean, we'd have to get you with uh, Chris Perkins and the I, rest I of the story, story team because like, I basically don't want to jump into to that. But there there is a connection they have with Lolth, the demon queen of spiders, which is, is you know their uh, uh, patroness.
4: Because yeah. I kind of uh, think about like the whole I, I feel like this is one of the few areas of D&D where I had like a slight problem kind of reading the material where I was like, gosh, it sucks that an entire species or, or race or whatever is like associated with good and others are associated yeah. well, with evil.
5: So there are at least two drow. Again, I seem to have failed you. Oh. Um, there are at least two <laughs> drow who have escaped this. Um, one named Drizzt Ordin, who I will have to introduce you to the 56 novel. But see, like, I, can, I, I, <laughs> um, I worry about increasing. this too, right? Like the yeah. tokenism of like there's a good one, mm-hmm. right?
4: And especially, I don't know. Feels a little like, Does it feel well, weird to you guys? There are a lot of like-
0: articles about this exact problem, okay. not just yeah. with Dungeons & Dragons but with uh, uh, fantasy literature in general because it comes from Tolkien and yeah. he very much was like, these or- orcs are corrupted oh, elves yeah. and yeah. they're all inherently bad. Yeah. And it was just the way that the story was structured in the 50s and 60s when he was writing that, right? And a lot of uh, Dungeons & Dragons materials kind of inherited that idea mm-hmm. about um, specifically elves, right? Um, but there is a lot of conversation I think about that right now and what that might mean because of how it generally goes to racism in our world. There, yeah, yeah, like there's, there's the parallels feel a
5: little unnerving. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's the beginning I think it reflects everybody's awareness that there's the beginning of sort of a redemption thread opening up I think in the forgotten realms and there's a whole group of elves now that's sort of I'm going to get a ton of tweets about this one but there's <laughs> there's the raven queen and, and all of the the not just elves but beings that exist under her control and if i'm getting this wrong just kick me under the table really hard no worries um, but are sort of in this in-between space yeah. where they they act in the universe in a way that um isn't bad or good and is just really yeah. important and i
4: i mean i love i think one of the things that i that i love exploring in D is um moral issues moral quandaries mm-hmm. um I, I i hate having a simple villain right i just yeah. can't do it you know i um I, I think my first few adventures that I ran for players, probably like a lot of DMs, I was like, okay, bad guy, good guys, right? right? Okay, fight. <laughs> um, and now it's a lot more, well, wh- why Why does the bad guy do that? Why, yeah. what, are th- what are their motivations? Are they are they truly bad or are they committing what they think is a lesser evil to get a greater good? And then that runs into conflict with the party. And um, And when that happens, I found like, oh, the players are way more engaged and they
5: start to learn to ask questions. Um, the, this, of course, is what happens when people over the age of thirty-five start playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? Is we're overthinking a lot, but yet, I mean, not just overthinking. We're bringing an awareness to it, and I think it is kind of interesting. Now, everybody young is going to start tweeting me angrily, but no, I mean, I,
0: it's it's more of a style
5: of game, right? And yeah, I think that's what's yeah. what's increased more than anything else
0: in the last five years has been the idea that you can play an acquis- acquisitions incorporated style of game that's very, you know. Uh, make poking fun of corporate structure mm-hmm. and in a fantasy context. Like, that's their, their shtick. Ah, and it's, okay. it's hilarious and fun. Um, but then there's also the style of game, what you're talking about, like, oh, the you know, most villains in the world are not, don't call themselves villains. They don't right. think they're doing the wrong yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And why? Uh, or the idea of, like, going into, oh, we're going to kill all the goblins in their in their goblin warren that's been attacking us. Oh, wait, there's, you know, innocence. Here, do mm-hmm. we kill them? Or, well, And then there's like the style of game that wants to play with that kind of moral boundary. There's also a style of game of people who I just want to kill the dragons. Yeah. Take me down into the dungeons Take the treasure, and, kill the and make it more very simple, hack and slash kind of forward time thing. And I don't think any of those are wrong or bad. But it's interesting now that there are people forming around styles of game yeah. rather than, oh, I only know one person who plays D&D. So I'm forced to play yeah. that style.
5: You will see things that I blatantly stole from Acquisitions Inc. Uh, C-team. Okay, the whole thing right. with the the potion cook who is potions over. What is the name of the over. game? You uh, over the Acquisitions
4: run- Incorporated. Okay, uh, and that's the name of the yeah. the game or podcast. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I've listened to um, a couple of episodes of Critical Role and another one.
2: Adventure Zone. Yes, <laughs> oh, I knew it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
5: The yeah. scary voice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Adventure Zone. You
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so have to say it like that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Adventure
5: Zone. Adventure Zone.
0: Yeah, and I thought I mean I thought you thought were, Geraldine's voice acting uh, was good, uh, but. So that's Geraldine right. is
4: did, did Geraldine do that that one goblin character? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's just <laughs> great. She yeah. has a little giblet character that she's like, "Oh, I we can after you. So you you trash me." It's <laughs> <laughs> just incredible. Oh,
5: sure. Something gets stolen and you accuse the goblin. Yeah. That's anyway, we'll exactly
4: <laughs>
0: right Moral quandaries are all around there, yeah, too. Yeah, we just mm-hmm. went right off the cliff there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. what um, but I think that's, I mean, because in the past when, you know, if 25 years ago when there wasn't as much podcasts and streaming and other, like, styles being presented to people, um, I've heard from, and to some extent, I was one of these people where you, you tried a game and then you bounced off of it because it wasn't the style that mm-hmm. you thought. But you might have not realized there were different styles and you were like, oh, well, that's Dungeons and Dragons. I don't like it as much. Yeah. Not realizing that, like, oh, that was just not my cup of tea of, of this. It's like saying, like, oh, I didn't like Knight Rider, so
5: I hate all TV. That's right. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> are there times when you want to watch the Dukes of Hazzard as opposed to Knight Rider? You know, there's just times when a certain kind of game really appeals and you go from one to the other. I yeah.
2: love that you guys both chose TV shows from a very how particular era. <laughs> uh, how old are you? Uh,
4: 41.
5: Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. 51. Yeah. So, yeah, more or less.
4: I, I, I have not seen Knight Rider or Dukes of Hazzard. What? but uh, Ever? Uh, maybe like one episode. I didn't have TV growing up. Oh, My parents lived way wow. out in the boonies. We didn't right. get reception. Man, um, not, really do want to
0: switch moms.
5: <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure. I think w- go for Acquisitions Inc. first. It's okay. more urgent. Yeah, um, yeah, for so sure. Knight Rider and Duke's Hazard. I mean, I, w- I will.
4: I will recruit. You know, all of
0: the input. Okay. To say like what should mm-hmm. I what should I what else should I check out mm-hmm. what should I try mm-hmm. and, uh, and and definitely this uh, end of August early September when the Acquisitions Incorporated game is here
5: in Seattle you guys we'll get you in we can actually oh, see it yes, in person please uh, by
0: that all that'd means that'd be fascinating I think yeah. that'd be really good
5: instead of sitting there on the website trying to click like this hoping you get a ticket which I failed at every single time Aww, nice yeah. I mean
4: I think this is why the the um, you talked a little bit about the the D and I work right that had come from the wizard sorry diversity and inclusion work right that's come from The Wizards of the Coast leadership and and team and company since fifth edition, and I think this is why it's so hugely important. Because if you can't, you know, if I if I don't see the kind of game represented that I'm interested in, then I don't particularly want to play. And I think that's also true of people. Like if I, you know, if I'm a young woman and I don't see any young women playing this game, if I'm a, um, you know, a a grandmother, I don't see anybody over the age of sixty playing this game.
0: Yeah.
4: um, you know, I'm I'm queer. I'm black. I'm Hispanic. I don't see people who look like me playing this game. Well,
0: okay, that's not for me. Yeah, I remember. And that's been a big push in, in what we're mm-hmm. doing here in, in, in the streaming world as well as in podcasting is making sure that uh, they they get seen for that yeah. exact reason. Yeah, I think that's a that's a truly wonderful bit of work, right? Mm-hmm. I, I,
4: what What I love about it is it's it's both um, a very like wonderful moral thing. But it is also a very wise capitalist thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. oh, wait a minute, you know we whatever forty percent of the U.S. population, like we're we're just excluding them, and then another yeah. half because they're you know not men or whatever, right? Like that that
0: feels like a
4: terrible. It's when way it's, to it's, run it's a when business. good
0: morality and capitalism come together, <laughs> mm-hmm. and
4: that's, <laughs> that's not always best. true, right? But that's a beautiful thing when it does happen, and um, y- you know, Ian, I I'm not sure if I told you the story, but but someone in our world. Uh, a speaker who is um, underrepresented, uh, black speaker, told me that they got into our industry. They're now very well known, but they got into the field only after seeing someone else, another another black speaker, on stage doing this, and they were like, "Oh, I I could do that too. I'm going to try and pitch. I'm going to." Yeah. You know, I'm going to well, try and get up on stage. And, and digital finish. did help
5: with that. I mean, digital marketing did break down. I mean, it's still got its challenges, but compared to, to traditional, the traditional marketing world, yeah. digital broke down a lot of barriers. Yeah. Uh, now, now we just have to see if we can make a difference in
4: venture. Yeah. It's going to take yeah. a while, and it's going to take D and D. Yeah. I mean, I'm
0: up to try it. Sweet. I think, uh, let's let's get some. Right, well, you th- we're here. We're not that far away from, yeah. uh, from from where all of your offices are. So let's make it happen. Uh, I know some uh, will we'll be a tech
4: hub. <laughs> some some um, underrepresented folks, what, what, uh, what Arlen Hamilton would call underestimated folks yeah. uh, who could, could definitely use some of those connections. So that would be a really – yeah, that would be a fascinating thing to try. Does she play the Oh, I don't know. She should. Yeah. Okay. We'll tweet at Arlen after mm-hmm. this. Um, Let's
0: yeah. make it happen. I, that would be incredible.
2: I'm seeing the party form mm-hmm. right before our eyes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for, for coming down and being a part of this. I oh feel like gosh, we sh- can pleasure. pick your brains mm-hmm. even more. Thank you so much uh, about how uh, how we, we can use all of your company's skills uh, yes. to push D and D even further. This was this was truly a pleasure. It's uh, yeah,
4: it's great meeting both of you and, and finding out that that this really is such a wonderful the world that it appears to be is the world that it. It truly I is. I'm
2: so glad you weren't disappointed. Oh <laughs> no! I mean, I'm, like you know, all of this build up to get to your first D and D game, and then it was obviously not yeah, disappointed. You know, he he did say, you know, eh, the, the payoff. Oh man, I waited
5: this That was all for you. I mean, you you made that happen. Thank you, so, thank, so, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And by the way, uh, if Chris Perkins wants an unpaid. Intern, just let me know. Oh, um,
0: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I can is all. About. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. Exactly. No there kidding. You no Do you kidding. mind dying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you uh-huh. have any organs you want to donate uh-huh. to uh-huh. the uh-huh. cause? The we, the we've
2: already yeah. determined the spleen yeah. is unnecessary. It's both the heaviest yeah. and the most unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> Hide in the backpack. All yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, yeah. it worked for me. I <laughs> wish we could
2: go back to your eleven-year-old self and tell. Them. Don't worry. One day you're going to be on Dragon Talk. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh.
2: No kidding. And they're going to be like, what's will be no on, the, he'll be on the official now. Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Look at us podcast. now.
4: That little boy is just crying his eyes out with happiness right now. Oh, yeah. See, there's we, no doubt. I
2: feel like that was very therapeutic. Yeah. We went back yeah. in time. Mm-hmm. Good we call gave back. him a message. Oh. And now he's okay. Now. Well, Do you feel healed? Thank you.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel good in a lot of ways. I think I think uh be a wound that sticks with you for a while, but you know, you. Um, it's a scar, right? And it's the scar can be good and bad. Yeah. Just yeah. like in The Lion King. It's oh, wait. No, that's not true. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Different, no, always <laughs> different scar. Yeah. Uh, and then I want to hear your marketing, uh, uh, everything you learned about marketing, you learned from D&D. Yeah. I will. Talk. Is that I online will. anywhere?
5: Um, No, but I will happily come give that talk. I feel like that anytime. would be
2: very relevant I would well,
5: seriously love company. to do it I'm already gonna have to have a grinectomy just from coming here uh, today to be on this but I would I, I would love yeah, I guess we're gonna remove having, his, having his grin, grin removed because you have too oh, much of a grin got it. Um, oh. that was it was not a it was not a, uh, was a metaphor thing. or a euphemism <laughs> okay got it got we're um, actually
0: gonna take off your grin. <laughs> yeah
5: but, no I would love live on air yeah I would happily <laughs> <laughs> I would happily come in and do that absolutely okay. awesome anytime well thank you guys
0: uh, that was fun. I, I really enjoyed that interview. Me too. They uh seem like they are going to use all of the things that they learn from Dungeons and Dragons and apply it directly to their job.
2: You know, D&D is good for everyone. No yeah. matter what line of work you end up in. We always hear about the like the the actors, the writers, the directors of the Hollywood types Brent. that grew up playing D&D and say like D&D inspired me to do all these things. Mhm business, baby. That's right. You can take the CEO path, too.
0: Do you remember when uh, World of Warcraft came out, there were all these articles that was like uh, playing World of Warcraft with your guild is like the new golfing. It's like how you make you know, like it's like friend connections between business leaders happens in World of Warcraft, at least in the tech sphere, way more than it does uh, in the more traditional sphere, like through golfing or whatever, you know, at the club or whatever, things like that. And I was like, yeah, maybe that's happening with D&D now where like things are happening around Team the T V table. Yeah. But also making connections. Oh yeah, and like, for sure. You know, oh, you played that clerically well. Do you want to invest in my company?
2: You seem like somebody who has very deep pockets.
0: Because
2: <laughs> you're a wizard. Because you've earned <laughs> more than five hundred <laughs> gold pieces
0: on that last adventure. Would you like to invest those gold pieces with me?
2: Yeah. yes I would
0: I would Um, so that is it for this episode of Dragon Talk Woo! we are excited for all the things happening in July we've got lots of amazing things happening this fall in the product realm including Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus as we said the Dungeon Mayhem expansion yeah battle Battle for for Baldur's Baldur's Gate. Gate Bad. One, two, three. Battle for, for Baldur's, Baldur's Gate. Gate. <laughs> Great. Uh that's gonna be a fun expansion. I can't wait to jump into that. Yeah. Play some Minsk and Boo. And Boo. And, and Jahira.
2: Jahira.
0: That's gonna be fun. You
2: like shape shifting? I
0: do like shape shifting. You will like her. She shifts shapes.
2: Do you like throwing hamsters at people? All the time. Then you will like minsk.
0: Often I just do that walking down the street where I'm I like, know. Hey, you get a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> you get hamster. I'm like the Oprah of Seattle with hamsters. With, with hamster. <laughs> Your rodent Oprah and Road uh, Oprah and salmon and gummies.
2: Oh, <laughs> Sam and gummies.
0: So, uh, anything else uh, that you want to you know talk about before we close this episode? I
2: I would like to talk about the fact that I just got a text from the adult supervisor of the summer camp, and he, that was just here. Yes. And he said Quinn is a local celebrity.
0: <gasps> oh. It worked. It worked. He's the coolest kid around. Well,
2: I mean for like today. For today. The weekend happens and then they'll forget.
0: <laughs> no, he'll be cool next week. You think? Yeah, make sure Quinn's nice to uh, uh my girls when they start camp at oh, the same that's place. Right.
2: Well wait till they find out I'm not gonna be as cool anymore. Yeah, because my my kids are they're
0: gonna, they're gonna there there. be there like, and they're gonna be cooler.
2: My dad works there too. <laughs> Boom! Mic drop.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we got to have all of them in and uh, interview all of them about what their summer camp was like. Okay. Yeah. D&D summer camp. Making it happen. Um, but first, we have to explore what's happening in this cave. Yeah. There are lots of it's
2: dark though.
0: Yeah. Can you light a torch?
2: Yeah. What could possibly? Oh, wait. Go you, wrong? you have dark vision. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it. Hang on. I don't need a torch. There is
0: There's an opening up here. above. Oh, yeah. Pull it. What should I? Yeah. What could happen? Nothing. Okay. Go ahead.
2: Watch out. Uh, ah! <laughs> That's
1: a lot of time. <laughs>